Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Just got asked the question, is it okay to come out now? Is it over? Is it all over? Is it about to be about to end? Is everybody going to get their freedom back? The vaccinated, the boosted, the unvaccinated, every single person. It's certainly looking that way, isn't it? And today we'll tell a lot. We'll have a state of the nation address from Mihar Martin. I'd say that's one that he's actually looking forward to later today. Uh, to address the nation, because all of the papers this morning are dominated. Uh, they think it's all over. Taoiseach will tonight declare an end to almost all COVID restrictions. Masks probably will be the last sting of a dying wasp, I suppose. Uh, but the Taoiseach to make a speech on lifting rules tonight. Curfews and passes can be scrapped and the pubs can open late. They might even be able to open late this weekend. Maybe I'm just... I mean, maybe they wouldn't be able to open late this weekend. If you made an announcement at six o'clock, they mightn't have the staff. But Certainly, I would think by Monday, wouldn't you? Like, um, it's, it's summed up very well uh, in many of the red tops and little bullet points this morning. The front of the mail this morning just nails it. They say Neffet has advised the cabinet it can lift almost every COVID-19 restriction, including social distancing, hospitality curfews and the use of COVID passes. All gone. Uh, this has been considered by Cabinet today. They'd hardly go against it. I mean, they, they struggle to get Neffet on side a lot of the time. Neffet are making the running on this one. So they'll go for it. For sure they will. So mask wearing uh, can end on February the 28th. But up until then, that's probably the one thing that will be there. So you'll have workers also free to return to go back to work in the office uh, on a phased basis. Like indoor and outdoor events can run to full capacity when they decide it's appropriate and they could make that announcement tonight as well. Who knows? So but pubs and restaurants and even nightclubs, they're saying, are likely to reopen fully. I don't know about this weekend, but probably more than likely by Monday. So this morning's mirror says meet, drink and be merry. The two meter social distancing will also be gone. There'll be no limit to the number of household visits. Uh, I hope I'm not blinding you with info this morning, but that's actually what we're looking at now. Uh, so it was a long time coming, but it looks as if we're on the cusp of the big day. Meanwhile, um, it's a guy from Cassidy Travel makes the endo to say, say, you know, payday's only around the corner for a lot of people after a long January. Uh, COVID restrictions have been lifted. People are going to start looking at, at holidays. They're going to start looking at sun destinations. They're going to start looking at their freedom no more. And they're saying that they're seeing huge demands now uh, with pent-up demand for bookings. And the recommendation and the, and the um, I suppose, the advice is... Well, they would say that, the holiday industry, wouldn't they? But nonetheless, they're saying book early because prices could go up by 20% because of pent-up demand. In in other news, uh, interesting court reports for you. I know I've been honing in very much recently on on knife crime or knife possession. There's another one makes the echo today of a cork man by the name of Aaron Babington. He's going to be cooling his heels in jail now for, for six months. He was caught with two knives stuffed inside his trousers. He claimed he was minding them for a friend and that they were going to use them to cut steak. Well, I'll be darned. Uh, when searched, he had the two knives down inside the uh, the waistband of his pants. He was meeting a pal and they were going to go cut steak. That's what he told the guards. Uh, he also said, when he was further questioned, that uh, he said another man had gone to the toilet and asked him to hold the two knives for him. Um, and he says, it's true now that I'm a bigger fool to have done it for him. So he's in court yesterday. I get the impression that judges and courts are taking... Uh, knife possession an awful lot more seriously and rightly, rightly so. Uh, talking of young people, there was a right buzz in town yesterday. I was inside around town yesterday and it was lovely to see what seemed to me, I, I'm going to take a flyer on this, maybe first year college students had some kind of a bash on 
um, because they were all done up to the nine. When I say up to the nines now, they were funky, um, you know, uh, alternative, um, you know, kind of crazy gear a lot of the time. It looks fantastic. But it was wonderful to see so many of them. And when I was going around the Grand Parade yesterday uh, at around about three o'clock. I saw some pals meeting up with other pals and it looked to me as if they hadn't seen each other for a long, long time. And they were about, ah, they were about 18 or 19 years old. And I was thinking about myself when I was 18 or 19 years old on the same Cork streets. And I was thinking, God, God almighty, it's just amazing how life goes on and the generations carry on and they take over the city from the generations gone before. It was a wonderful thing to see everybody in great form and hooking up with their mates and doing the thing. Um, meanwhile, of course, there, there's a bit of an alarming story that makes uh, the papers this morning. I read it online last night, but the Echo picks up on it. They uh, researched 11,500 uh, students across 21 higher education institutions across the country. They wanted to know how many of them were using or weren't using drugs. And it's quite alarming, actually. It's quite sad, really, because, uh, of course, it makes people... Um, you know, unwell and can lead to all sorts of addictions, much of the drugs that they're taking. But it also makes drug barons very, very wealthy and rich. So apparently over half of the students researched uh, reported using illicit drugs uh, and over a third of them uh, reporting drug use in the last 12 months, in the last 12 months. So if you wanted to know what the most commonly used drugs um, by, say, for instance, college students, well, the number one is cannabis. The number two is cocaine. Number three is ecstasy, then followed by ketamine, uh, mushrooms, amphetamines, and the new psychoactive substances that are now available on the market. So cocaine number number two is an alarming one because that's increasing in all sections of society. It's becoming a lot more available and a lot cheaper and, of course, makes an awful lot of people very, very rich. It's a beautiful story in the echo of a couple that met down, uh, back in 2019 on the train, apparently. It was the Cork to Cove train, Ashling Devitt and Donica Long, uh, the, echo, the echo this morning says they locked eyes as they sat across from each other on the train service in Cove to Cork. Over two years later, they were back at Kent Station for their wedding photographs. <laughs> and there's lovely photographs of the two of them. They just look a million dollars and so, so happy. And one of the photographs is fabulous uh, with the station manager, Ray Foley, looking on with a big, be- <laughs> with a big beaming smile on them as they take a kiss next to the big old steam train at Kent. It's a great story with lovely photographs. Of course, Boris Johnson's being photographed as well. Well, but they're trying to find the worst of them these days now because issues for Boris Johnson go from bad to worse. Now there are claims uh, that um, um, MPs were being bullied and blackmailed to back him. I don't know if that ever happened here where, where the, the whips within the political parties would say to MPs, if you don't back Boris, your constituency will get no money. <laughs> you, you can't be doing that. I mean, that's roguery of the highest order. A bit like the rogue builders that they're trying to crack down on. The Mirror this morning says that uh, the doll is very busy at the moment trying to put a bill together that will, get, uh, that will legally stop rogue builders getting planning permission. So the rogue builders will get planning permission stopped, but it won't stop the rogue builders for doing rogue jobs that you ask them to do. And RTE are also making the papers this morning because they say that they're going to chase down you're going to chase down uh, the thousands and thousands of people who just continue not to pay their television license. I wonder when they eventually do track down the people who haven't paid their €160. Will they backdate it for all of the years that they haven't paid their television license? I mean, you could have somebody that has never paid a television license and is watching television 30 years. I mean, think about the thousands and backdated money. But the story of the day, apart from all of the great news COVID-wise, has got to be the story of Millie the Jack Russell. 
Apparently, uh, Millie slipped the lead there uh, a few days ago and was missing for two days. When Millie was eventually spotted, the Jack Russell was caught on the mud flaps, mud flats, I should say, um, and was was very very slow to come out. Probably was frightened, wouldn't move. All sorts of people tried to rescue her: the coast guard, the police, volunteers, kayaks swung into action. And the tide was closing in around Millie. Nothing was happening. It was a place called Farlington Marshes in the UK. So what they decided to do was to get a drone, right? So they got the drone and they got a long, 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 long piece of string or twine. And they tied a sausage to the end of it. And they flew the drone over Millie with the sausage just tempting her inches away. Of course, her interest picked up big time. So would mine, actually. If you, if I was in the middle of a mud flat or anywhere, inside in a burning building, whatever the case may be, and somebody was tempting me with a sausage, I'm done, I'm there, I'm after the sausage. And so was Millie. So apparently the drone swung um, just above Millie's nose with the sausage, and she was slowly but surely lured out following the sausage. <laughs> I hope she got to eat it when she actually got out. Or maybe even more than one. But it's a lovely, lovely story. And then the other one that interests me, because we all can relate to, um, did you leave the immersion on? Did you leave the immersion on? You're kind of like 150 miles from home up the Dublin Road. Did you leave the immersion on? It was the guy apparently who experienced the worst uh, immersion nightmare. Apparently a buddy from next door was in the house for some reason. It's a Dubliner called Keith Doyle. And it was his buddy discovered uh, that he had left the immersion on for drum roll seven years <laughs> could you imagine it the immersion one do you not see the little orange light flashing no, not flashing but on bold and orange so I don't know how he's ever going to recover from that I have no idea what it cost him he's lucky he had a boiler that worked after seven years seven years I wonder what's the worst home or household nightmare you ever had Text 086-8104-106. There's lots of other stories. We'll come back to them for that at the course of the morning. The Neil Prenderville Show. Seven years. I'd never get over it. I'd, le- I'd, never, I'd take to the bed and I'd never get up. Uh, of course, we heard great research there by Lana a few minutes ago. Meatloaf, US singer, has died at the age of 74. Uh, an incredible career. I mean, he had incredible highs and lows. Sold masses of albums. Uh, he had 10 best-selling ab- albums. Um, and Battle of Hell remained one of the top 10 best-selling albums of all time. In total, he had everything up. He sold 100 million albums. He wrote some of his own music. By and large, Jim Steinman wrote all of the big hits, so probably made a little bit more money than Meatloaf did. But Meatloaf made it touring and concerts, and he played the biggest arenas in the world and some of the smaller. So I know he played all sorts of arenas, and uh, he played Parky Creeve and stuff like that here on Lee side. Uh, may have played, no, I think he might have played the marquee, but... When he was down, there were times when he continued to tour. And I actually saw Meatloaf play live at Neptune Stadium. At Neptune Stadium. Many, many... It was probably in the 90s when things weren't going so great for Meatloaf. But he kept on bouncing back. And he died overnight at the age of 74. And I would do anything for
Oh my God, Mark Willington, you have absolutely broken my heart. Every one of those is just incredible. It's just incredible. I mean, imagine if I was to suggest to people, pick one of those songs and we'll play it a little later on. I mean, no, you don't have a mic there, pal, but it's absolutely hit after hit after hit after hit. He just kept on delivering, didn't he? It was an incredible thing. Uh, I'll open it up to you guys to choose. I know the lads played a song. What did they play? They played a song there about 20 to 9, a meatloaf song. I'll let you guys choose. Uh, text 0868104106 and we'll play a meatloaf song a little later on this morning. But God knows what one you'd pick because there's just an incredible selection. Well done. He's running from studio to studio. I mean, how many? How many were? That was about 10, was it? I think it was, yeah. I mean, it was absolutely... Uh, I swear it took about 15 minutes to get all those songs together and... It was such an enjoyable. It's actually quite sad. It was like it was like this music is incredible. This is it's so good. <laughs> so when you take a hit in isolation, there's far meatloaf. Oh, yeah, it was great. Oh yeah, a couple of hits, but bang, 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 bang. And I could bang. have I could have put more in as well. I mean, it, it was there was so many. So uh, yeah, I don't. Then if if people want to choose what their favourite meatloaf one, play it Paradise later. Paradise by the dashboard light. I haven't heard that so in years. Good. Yeah, and also it's like a song in two parts because there's the the, the the first half is totally different from the second half. They're like they're like rock operas. They're they so are. Good. Aren't they? They're like yeah. rock areas or rock yeah. operas or whatever. Well done. Great work. So listen, the challenge now is to the good listeners to pick for themselves uh, because I certainly couldn't. Text 0868104106 and the biggest request of Meatloaf song will give it a spell, a spin. Apparently, a text coming up here from Kieran O'Mani at the Southern Star. Thanks, Kieran. He says, Meatloaf was meant to play Wilburys in Bandon at one stage. Times of, must have been very tough. I think it was then moved to Neptune. Fair play, Kieran, at the Southern Star. Maybe that was the case. I suppose it was a time when things weren't going so great. He was probably musically out of favour, but bounced back again like he did many, many times. And I saw him in the Neptune. Um, and that was easily, certainly the mid-90s, I think. I think Bashana Sullivan brought the gig into Cork at the time. Uh, maybe he might be around. He could tell us a little bit more about that, but dies at the age of 74 overnight. Um, I have a very good friend. I haven't seen him many, many years. Breda Maloney, uh, now Breda Nyan. But God, she was the biggest meatloaf fan and probably is heartbroken today with the news. Okay, more on that later. What people aren't heartbroken with, of course, is the announcement that's going to be made a little later on today. Cabinet will meet today. They'll chat about it. They'll do a bit of uh, of back and forth banter. But I think the deal is done. It's just about when. The weekend... Monday, lifting all sorts of restrictions. And of course, one of the ones, of course, that everybody will be glad to see the back of. And that's not just people who like to go for a drink or a bit of food, but the owners of hospitality business, the workforce, and all of the suppliers that have been supplying them over the years, uh, whose supplies actually have tripled, trickled way down because of the restricted opening hours. Um, and that, of course, is everybody in hospitality and everybody in the pub trade. Uh, and it's been a long, long road um, and many, many conversations with Michael O'Donovan. He owns the fantastic Castle Inn on the South Main Street and is the VFI chairperson in Cork. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Well, it looks like you're coming out of, I suppose, quarantine yourselves as an industry. How do you feel? Yeah, I think it's a momentous day. You know, last night when we got, I suppose, the breaking news around nine o'clock, uh, the phones lit up. I, I suppose it was unexpected. It's happening so fast. But look, it's no more than if we turn the clock back to quarter past 10, March 14th, 2020, it happened so fast as That's well. That's true, but who would have thought it would have been Neffet making the running? Yeah, nobody would have thought that, you know, they've been very conservative yeah. up to now. Yeah. Uh, they've been very, I suppose, tough on us in the hospitality industry. And now uh, to see what they've come out with yesterday, it's just, you know, 
yes, it's taken us by surprise, but uh, you know, it's it's a great day for us because you know we we we've we've had tough days. We've had very tough days. I've been on to you many a many time over times, the last yeah. twenty two months. Um, you know, I've had members on the phone to me over the last twenty two months, grown men crying on the phone, not knowing what to do. You know, how are they going to pay the the mortgage, the bank loan? And look, today is a day of optimism. And look, looking forward, it's just it's just a momentous day. Is it a time also to remember those that fell by the wayside? I mean, you said you were twenty two twenty two months on life support. Not everybody in your trade survived on life support. No, unfortunately not. And look, it's—I suppose—look, we saw last September here in Cork, we lost thirty-six uh, licenses that didn't renew. Right. Uh, I suppose. When you say Cork, is that all the county? All the county, yeah. And look, next year or this year, I suppose, when we get to September, it's—it's uh, it's really the barometer that we use every year uh, at the end of September. How many renew the license? The expectation is, look, we'll probably lose another few. Um, and it's hard, you know, talking to members that are uh, ex-members that have gone out of the trade now. Um, but look, for the rest of us that are in the trade today, um, it's huge day. It's it huge is, day yeah. Day. And also in country areas, although it's not really your brief being in the city, but many, many country pubs with the closure of the pubs and then the eight o'clock restrictions. Uh, an awful lot of people who live in rural areas missed the pub and could never even get to it before eight o'clock anyway and they missed the camaraderie and they missed their friends you know it was their it was their place to go it's huge relief for them with regards to isolation and loneliness absolutely look i I represent cork county as well so my apologies uh, dealing dealing with with them uh, um uh, it's 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 huge for them because you know what i've been hearing for the month of december you know lots of farmers especially you know in, in rural ireland uh they don't finish on the you know the yards until seven half That's seven right. eight yeah. o'clock. So yeah. like getting to the pub for eight o'clock was just yeah. a non-runner, yeah. and like lots of publicans just did not even open because they knew their core business wouldn't be able to get to them. So you know today for them it's it's about reopening the doors uh, in the coming days and uh, I suppose getting getting communities back interacting again because you know one thing we've heard so much over the last twenty two months is uh, elderly people have been very you know slow and coming in socialising this now for them is is a lifeline to get back out I know it, for us it's business but for them it's ordinary everyday stuff yeah. um, and you know it, it's great that we'll be able to interact you know small things like picking the horses doing the lotto yeah. you know, sm- yeah. small little things like this but it's what makes life for them and ju- just, to, just to clarify there'll be no more Covid passes on the door. No more QRs. No more giving names and phone numbers. No restrictions on the amount of people that can sit at a table. You can get a pint at the bar. That's what we're looking at, isn't it? Yes, that's what we understand from the Neffet uh, letter. So, look, uh, the bar counter for us is the hub of our pubs. You know, it's the heartbeat of everything that goes on in the pub, and it's what makes an, a pub a pub really. Mm. Um, so, to see our bar counters coming back uh, will be a huge bonus for us because it, it's where you know the social interaction takes place. It's where the banter takes place. Uh, things that we've missed, and look, there's a lot of staff, I suppose, out there that have actually never seen uh, work across the bar counter. You know, and it'll be a new experience for them but you know it'll be it'll be great it's it's the irish way of doing things is across the bar counter and so like it's it's great that we're getting back to our cultures you put it so well and tell me this i mean we don't know when do we one of the red tops this morning is saying he may make an announcement that would allow this to happen from tomorrow others are saying it could be monday yeah we look all we know right now is 
10 o'clock this morning the three party leaders are meeting they'll set out a provisional timeline um, look we'll probably get a snippet maybe after that but the full cabinet meet at 3 o'clock and look from half past 3 on we'll, we'll, we'll get but you won't be caught on the hop then, say, even if it is, say, Monday, you know, with staff. Would, I'm just wondering about the pubs and pub restaurants. Will they be able to have staff or stock? Yeah, look, um, staffing, I suppose, first, you know, um, pubs, look, we've been operating up to 8 o'clock. Lots of pubs prior to Christmas left people go. Staffing will be an issue. Um, and look, for the first week or two, maybe pubs might decide, you know, to open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, but in the coming weeks, I would hope that they will we'll get back to the full opening. Um, but we'll be ready to go the majority of us. Yeah, so you think that not everybody will be ready to open. I, I mean, I know a lot of pubs closed for January. Um, I'm wondering now whether this would tempt them back. I, I think this uh, this will definitely tempt them back because a lot of them, what I was hearing is they just couldn't operate uh, under the 8 o'clock closing because they wouldn't have, as, as I alluded to there, you know, custom um, staff who had been very unfair to you know, let some staff go um, and keep others. So they decided to close. But um, I'm sure when, you know, what I heard is that when restrictions were lifted, they were telling me we'll, we'll go then. So I would say that a lot more will start to open okay. now once restrictions are lifted. OK, OK. Would, do you think there's going to be one unmerciful party? Um, look, I suppose people may be hesitant for the first couple of days, but look, hopefully, I don't know if it'll be one or merciful party, but hopefully, you know, people will come back um, and we'll Will see. the trade try and tempt them back with anything? I mean, I don't know how you would do that, carrot and stick kind of thing. Um, look, I, I don't know. It'll be for each individual pub, I suppose. But look, the, the most important thing is that we keep people safe and people feel safe when they come in, you know. So um, I think we'll have to uh, to work on it and look, see how it goes, really. I hope that there's, no that. Going, that there's no going back from this again. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. We, don't, look, don't even mention all, that. <laughs> yeah, all due respect. I, I hope you won't be phoning me for a very, very long time. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Excellent <laughs> way to finish. I, I, I mean that in the best way. I take that in the way it's meant. Fair play to you. Listen, um, if I don't ever talk to you again, have a nice life. <laughs> Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you. Federation of Ireland, Cork City and County Chairperson Michael O'Donovan, owner of the Castle Inn. And he is right. The bar counter is the centre of his pub. It's the centre of the focal point of most pubs. Is where most of the banter takes place. And that could be said also of uh, Barry's and Douglas. Peter Collins, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Exciting times ahead. Hopefully, now the mist is has the mist is clearing and it will never descend again. Um, what 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 you're thinking on all of this? Uh, you're good to go from Monday. We're well. Look, I suppose. Look, as, as Mike said, there. First of all, we'll have to wait and see. Unfortunately, it, yeah. it'd be great to, to know. Um, but look, whatever, whatever. We look. We we welcome any easing of the restrictions. Um, you know, once the government make that announcement, uh, and we'll be good to go. We'll be good to go tonight. We'll be good to go tomorrow. We'll be good to go next week. You, we, you give us the, the go ahead. The government gives us go ahead, and we we'll do it. Because there've been a lot of opening and closing and restrictions. It was hard to keep up at one stage, and then a lot of places, did, you know, did only food, and others did no food. You know, that'll all be gone now, won't it? Yeah, and look, you know, look, you, you see the way the public have. have behaved immaculately through the whole thing and they've been you know they've, they've um, you know 
uh, they've taken on board what's, what we've had to do and they've come in early, they've come in late, they've, they've come back to us when we've shut down yeah. and all the different permutations that has gone on. And I, I just think, you know, give it, you know, let, let's get all these uh, restrictions out of the way and uh, we'll get back to a normal semblance of trade. But I, I, I do think that people will have missed going out, they'll have missed the spontaneity thing, oh, I want to go for a point rather than having to book and all the sorts yeah. of yeah. obstacles that might have been in the way and I need two uh, tables but you can only have one yeah I yeah, know. yeah. And, and and all the, and look they, they were there for for all the reasons and they were explained to us and I, I think you know we've we've come out of this whole uh, uh, pandemic you know you know quite well so look you know let's let's look forward not look back and uh, but I think the public have you know will 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 come back in droves uh, to, to all their favourite premises because um, that's what Irish people do. You don't do. think they'd be slightly up to, some of them might be a little hesitant to begin with. It's only natural if they were. Uh, it, it's only natural and I, I'm sure there will be but, but you know, give it time like, like anything else and we, 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 we get back to, to normality and I think that's what everybody's looking forward to. Yeah, I know what you're saying. You, you invested an awful lot in the outdoors, didn't you? That'll stand to you now going forward and, and others like you. Yeah, and, and everybody else, but, but our, our particular location there in, in Douglas, um, we had a great summer. Um, uh, unfortunately, then, the, you know, at the end of that, then the, the more restrictions came in and, and it, made it made it a little bit more difficult. Um, but yeah, we're looking forward to a great season. And um, again, you know, people now have a taste for uh, outside uh, entertainment and hospitality, whereas before, maybe a couple of years ago, uh, it would be seen as being uh, a little bit, you know, we're in Ireland, why would we do that? That's right, you know, yeah, I want to be indoors, you know, I want to be at the counter, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly, a cold, a cold wet night uh, outside isn't, uh, isn't a cold wet night do, anymore. Do, do you know, we're talking about people going back, I mean, a lot of people, of course, are setting, more set in their ways now for home drinking, they've got used to that, or dining at home and things. Can, can publicans do anything to tempt them back? I know there's all sorts of rules and laws now, prote- you know, preventing you from doing two for ones or happy hours and stuff like that, isn't there? Um, well, look, I think I think people were were enjoying um, having a drink at home um, always, um, but you know, look, you 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 know quite well, and the public know quite well. There's nothing like coming into a bar and having a pint in the bar, and you know, I think that that speaks for itself. Um, uh, you know, I, I just think there's something great about, about coming into an Irish pub and ha- sitting down and having a pint. I know, I think it would be great though if the pubs decided that they all, as many as they could, would put live music in as fast as they can to get bands and musicians and jocks back working as well. Yeah, I mean, that that, that side of the industry actually goes a little bit unnoticed. I have a couple of friends now in, in the production side of uh, live music and, you know, there's one one or two guys there, they haven't worked in, in two years, right. you know, no yeah. income whatsoever, you know, so, you know, that that, that 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 side of the industry has has been very very hard, you know, uh, been very difficult for them. Um, so yeah, again, look, we've St. Patrick's Day coming up an extra day there, I think now, and a lot of bank holidays coming up. A lot so to I'm look sure, yeah. I, yeah, I'm sure people will be booking. I, I know, I know that myself. That once the um, announcements are made, I'll be hot foot on the phone uh, to all our our people that have uh, uh, come in and provide entertainment for us here. Good man, it's important to give back and to support. And just finally, will, will everything be okay staff wise? Because uh, you know, an awful lot of people, of course, migrated away from hospitality. Will will let will it be able to cope? I think I think it will. Yeah, I think. Look, I, I you know there was there was always difficulty in in recruiting staff in hospitality uh, prior to the pandemic. It, it probably it probably got even more difficult uh, during it. But you know, again, you you open up. Um, you know, you you start trading. You get notice out there. People will come back. There, I I I have I, I don't know worry about that. But it, 
might, might require a little bit more hard work on everybody's behalf but look we've been closed for long enough we're, we're only looking forward you're happy to roll the sleeves off well done for well, good stuff yeah, Peter thanks uh, have a great weekend and whatever is coming over the weekend or early next week best of luck with it alright cheers for now thank you Peter okay. Collins of Barry's and Douglas can I just also say that um, I recently had a, a lamb shank in Barry's in Douglas and it is absolutely incredible it's one of the best lamb shanks I've had outside of France and the French know how to do it it comes in a beautiful bowl gorgeous mash fabulous root vegetables and the most fantastic lamb gravy. It's well worth checking out. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. So it's a very happy, happy day for everybody. And that includes everybody uh, when this announcement is made. Not just the vaccinated, not just the vaccinated and boosted, but those that didn't choose to get a vaccination either. Doors will all open to them as well. Bear in mind, of course, there'll be masks knocking around for another four or five weeks. But other than that, we're expecting huge announcements later today. I did mention also, uh, and the travel industry would say this, wouldn't they? They would say, listen, book early because prices are going to go up and it could go up by as much as 20% or more. I also see this morning that Ryanair are throwing the kitchen sink. Unfortunately, it's Dublin Airport. Believe it or not, they will have 900 weekly flights available to 120 destinations out of Dublin Airport. They really are ramping it up. Certainly the summer schedule. They're thinking it will be their biggest, largest summer schedule out of Dublin Airport ever. I don't know what the consequences of that will be for Cork. Owen Corey might have a better idea. He's with the, uh, he's the editor of Travel Extra and he joins me by phone. Owen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. That's an incredible number of flights, isn't it? And then the travel industry saying book early, prices are going to go up. Are, are they saying that in anticipation of our freedom, is it? Well, the um, book early prices are going to go up is uh, with everything with Michael O'Leary or Eddie Wilson now says comes with an agenda. Uh, the the state of the night of play out there for the airline industry is everyone is booking so late it's driving them bonkers. Is that right? They're trying to they're trying to make decisions on routes, not just Ryanair but every airline in Europe. Aer Lingus, we're going to have to make big decisions on some of their North American routes. Yeah, but Owen, I'm surely all that's all that, all that's changed now. Surely the game has changed now from today. Uh, the game has changed, uh, but the consumer confidence takes a little bit longer to filter through the system. And consumer confidence is, is like bit by bit the travel restrictions. We had uh, the big probably game changer was travel within the European Union became more uh, predictable last July with the digital COVID certificate. But consumers have been uh, the last part of this chain to move. Yeah, but you would think now that people would be very, very excited. Do you know when you get a bit of good news, you start planning ahead and you start thinking about the things I'm going to do and this is what I'm going to do first and then I'm going to do this and I imagine right up there will be I'm going to book a sun holiday and there'll be no PCRs and there'll be no locator forms and there'll be no antigen tests and I can go anywhere. I'm going to book it now. Absolutely. Uh, There's no doubt the pent-up demand is there. The problem is uh, the experience of consumers with uh, refunds, the experience with, uh, you know, decisions to travel, the whole uh, antipathy towards travel that prevailed through summer 2020 and into the beginning of 2021. All of that weighed on them. And um, You think there's still some of that hesitancy there, do you think? Like there might be hesitancy to go into a pub? Yeah. Without a doubt, Neil. They, um, you know, the government's moved, uh, the health authorities moved, the airline aviation industry, you know, in fairness, Ryanair 
put a huge ambitious inventory on for 2021 and filled most of those seats uh, next year is going to be even more ambitious and uh, those routes they're talking about out of Dublin that's bigger than 2019 I've just back late last night from Spain and yeah. met the uh, Minister for Tourism and the CEO of the uh, tourist body there and they're saying their capacity is up uh, to key locations like the Canary Islands, like the Balearics, by about 8-9% on 2019. But the seats have yet to be sold. Now, this is where the punter could really win. Um, if the, the, the lead-in to a... If we were to having this conversation three years ago, uh, the lead-in to a Ryanair flight was about six weeks. Six weeks, they know how many seats they've sold. They can do with prices. They can cancel and consolidate flights if there's not enough sold. The lead-in now is about two weeks. And it's very wow. hard for them to make decisions. Two weeks. And it's, it's, what do you mean by a lead-in time? What does that mean? Yeah, it means that when most of the bookings are made. Two weeks before travel? Two weeks before travel. That's incredible. And, you know, you will have the people who are going to a wedding or a christening or whatever, and they'll have booked way out. You'll have uh, people, you know, that know they have to be there in October will book way out. But what's of interest to the aviation industry is when you reach uh, that critical mass that the, uh, the aircraft pays for itself. So why don't they do more sales then, you know? Spend, I see one That's of them, for instance, two you're doing, um, you get a hundred discount when you spend a grand kind of thing. That's what, that, yeah. So I say it's going to be good for the punter. We've had, the, if you look at the pattern of sales, Ryanair do sales, always have done sales. It's always been uh, January, okay, travel in March, booked by January the uh, 24th. Uh, this year's sales around Christmas were travel anytime you want during 2022. Yeah. Booked by January. So what they're doing is they're using the sales, which they're very good at, to see the level of consumer sentiment out there. Yeah. Now, what they did in December, mid-December, I think it was around the 17th, was they put in that big all-summer sale. I've never seen anything like it from Ryanair before. I think they did something similar back in the global financial recession 2010. But what that did was gauged the appetite in the market. And was there appetite? Uh, Evidently from yesterday's announcement, they've decided to go for it. And they wouldn't have made that decision to go for it if they was wholesale reluctance. And the go for it was the 900 flights out of Dublin a week. (laughs) Absolutely. They're they're gambling a little bit. They're gambling a little bit on it, but the Ryanair's gamble has always worked. Uh, The history of Ryanair has been built on three recessions. um, Famously, they went off to Seattle and bought a whole load of cut-price aircraft immediately after 9-11 or within months of 9-11. Famously, during the global financial recession, they went in with seat sales when all the other airlines were cutting capacity and they went from being the fifth or sixth biggest in Europe to being the second biggest. That's amazing, yeah. Now they are by by way ahead the biggest airline in Europe in passenger numbers because they've left... um, behind. Yeah, and they're hitting the destinations that people want to travel to, like the papers this morning are reporting. The top European destinations are Spain, Italy, Greece, Portugal, and very interestingly, Croatia is a big, a big uh, um, destination now for Irish people. Why wouldn't it be? Okay. It's probably gorgeous. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about Croatia because if you take uh, the entire Irish, the numbers of Irish that go to uh, Croatia, uh, a village in Spain will do the same for a year. <laughs> they, seriously, Santa Ponta. Okay, Neil, you laugh, but Santa oh, I Ponta, think it's brilliantly put. Yeah, you'll never beat the Canaries. Santa Ponta in Mallorca, a place, a place we all know well, will have uh, on average between three and four thousand Irish people living in it, 
um, for the entire year, for the entire summer, because that's where so many Irish go. It's a line of Irish bars. Done. So you get uh, people say, oh, yeah, this is a new coming destination. But let's get let's get, cut to the chase here. People are, first of all, with consumer confidence, people are a little bit nervous. They're going to go back to where it's familiar. That's true. And Spain and Portugal are more than 70% of our entire sales. That's true. That's true. And I that's just, where they're going yeah, back to. Yeah. And you can see it by the, the trunk routes, you know, like the, the Malaga routes, the Faro routes in Portugal, uh, Palma de Mallorca. The number of flights uh, would be more in a week than all the airports in yeah. uh, not yeah. only Croatia. It's but even Croatia, great to be having these conversations. It's just a great day all around. Can I, one of the reasons, and just finally, that I asked you to come on is um, I'm very confused of people coming and going in and out of Ireland or out overseas. I know of people in Thailand now at the moment wondering, do they need a PCR to get back in? Do they need a locator form? Where are we at the borders now, finally, with regards to vaccinated, boosted PCRs and stuff like that? Borders are clear, uh, travelling within Europe and will remain so. Uh, the Omicron scare before this, uh, in December, Europe held its shape. It was a big test moment for that year, digital COVID search. What is complicated, remember, let's, go, let's cut to the chase here. You, well, before this, you, people travelled with two things. They travelled with a boarding pass, usually on their phone, and a passport. Yeah. Now you need your, those boarding pass, passports, your d- certificate of vaccination or your vaccination history it could be a recovery cert, and a locator form. Almost every country has a locator form. And that's a little bit, you know, that's the one that people are failing a little bit on because it is a bit complicated. It asks you the date of the second vaccination. One of them, uh, the one I filled out for Canada before I went there, said, ask me the date for my first vaccination. Nobody actually has that. And um, Make it up. (laughs) Yeah, within Europe, it's going to be good. Long haul, though, Neil, is complicated. We, you know, so you're um, telling me within any European Union country, you all you need is proof of vaccination or proof of recovery from COVID. That's it. Okay, and, and outside Europe, of Europe and locator form and locator form as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and everyone forgets the locator form coming back to Ireland. It's havoc at the airport every night, but do fill that up as well. And it does take it does look for your air code and stuff like that, which most people yeah. But you do know. it in sixty seconds, though. It's easy enough. Uh, that, 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 Neil Prendival <laughs> might do it in sixty seconds. Uh, <laughs> And uh, a 12-year-old would do it in 60 seconds, but most people stall at things like, uh, you know, for instance, the municipality in Spain. There are 8,000 municipalities, and by God, you, if you fill in Cambrian when you're staying in Toulouse, there'll be a war, you know. But anyway, uh, there are the four things. You remember that. Passport, your boarding pass, your locator form, and that certificate or vaccination history they're on. Now, long haul, very complicated because the wind changes very quickly. We saw what Hong Kong did this week. We saw what Thailand did. They opened to vaccinators and then they decided they, you know, oh no, we really don't. Australia seems to make it up every day uh, as, as they get out of bed every day. But the really important thing is that 80 countries around the world now recognize the European Digital COVID Cert. So we're in a good place. In terms of international travel, we have the right documentation to get us into most of the world. But as I say, long haul is going to be a bit complicated. And what's the, what, long haul coming back? What do, what, like when would you need a PCR positive, negative? Uh, uh, coming back to Ireland, you're, fi- you're, you're, um, you're fine. The, the, the testing requirement has been, uh, has been removed. That's gone for everywhere around the world coming home. That can change in a second. That can change in a flash. Uh, now, the, the, um, there is a requirement, for instance, uh, PCR, you, you, uh, PCR outbound to some countries. Yes, but... And yeah. antigen outbound to America, for instance. But PCR coming home, 
You're just welcome home. home. Fine. Yeah. Home Fantastic. Fine. Home. And of course, we know that Western Australia has pushed back reopening the areas around Perth, of course. That was supposed to be February. There's a lot of Irish people who wanted to go to visit family. I know of one particular woman who has had three grandchildren she's never seen and has now had to disappointingly cancel her trip in February. It's a nightmare because uh, there are a lot of Australians, their own citizens stranded around the world that can't get back in. Uh, When they removed the restriction on mandatory hotel quarantine, they removed it in Sydney and Melbourne and didn't remove it in Perth, Adelaide or Brisbane. Mm. So Australia's policies are infinitely complicated. And uh, there's another problem, and that's just price. With so many Australians waiting to get back, and, um, you know, the prices aren't going to settle down to the levels that really we need to be travelling frequently to yeah, Australia. Yeah. And I'm missing it too, by the way. I get out there every year, but I haven't seen it since 2019. I hope, you let you, I hope they let you in. They didn't let your buddy Djokovic um, in. <laughs> I was saying, the old joke about uh, when they're asked if you have a criminal record, I didn't think you still needed one. <laughs> Everyone's don't in great form. Don't, don't use it on the immigration guys. They've no uh, humor. Everyone's in great form this morning. Fair play to you, and Have a great weekend. Thanks Bye for always being available. Take care. Take Cheers. Care. Owen Corey, always available. Editor of Travel Extra. You can get involved in his conversation and follow him on Facebook. Back after the break. Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818 uh, actually, Bernie on the north side says she's drooling at the description of the uh, lamb shank. He said, "Will the fella from Barry's give a few of those lamb shanks away on the air on your show to get us back in?" Says Bernie on the north side. I'll check in and see if they will. I'm quite sure Peter Collins would be up for that. They also do a very good seafood curry, incidentally. But I'll come back to that. We've got Oak Far Pizza today because it's Friday, a big day, of course, for, for the country. And indeed, also here on Lee Side, another way of celebrating is you in the workplace, perhaps winning pizza for you and all of your gang. So six of the largest pizzas, garlic breads, the potatoes, the drinks, the dips, and the desserts. So all of this will feed 15 of you easily. Not a bother. So text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106. We'll do the first lash of shoutouts around about 20 minutes past 10 this morning. So text who you are and where you are. 0868 104 106. We'll do the draw later on and someone will win pizza for 15 people with all of the sides from Oak Fire Pizza. And if you're getting pizza at the weekend, check them out. Oak Fire Pizza, Real Wood Fire Pizza, Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street, Gillaby Street and Douglas Village. So get texting back after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home big hits loads of fun features and traffic info what more could you need join me weekdays from 4 Dave Max Drive 104 to 106 Red FM this is the Neil Frienderville show yes indeedy uh, off to a great start this morning with a lot of positivity with regards to whatever announcement is going to be made later on today of course there was a sad announcement overnight the death of Meatloaf at the age of 74 and you guys have been texting and texting I asked you to do so it's very hard for me to pick a song and know that everybody would happy, happy, happy with the choice. So it's better to ask you guys and then to judge the responses by text. I have to say, so far, and hopefully we'll get a second one in between now and midday today, but definitely, so far, way out ahead from the point of view of your choice of a meatloaf song, meatloaf song is this one.
today the downloads on Spotify of Meatloaf across the weekend will be astronomical. Two out of three ain't bad. We'll squeeze in another one, so keep texting your favourite to 0868104106. A lovely, lovely text from a chap by the name of Tony. He says, Neil, thank you for playing Meatloaf's Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. I used to sing that song to my late wife. She passed away from COVID late last year. So sorry to hear that, Tony. That song is for you and for your beautiful, beautiful wife, especially for you. Can I also just uh, wish a happy birthday for the weekend? On Sunday, the one and only Pat Dunn celebrates his birthday. Good guy, all-round lovely guy, brother of the late super jock Ted Dunn. And Pat is uh, celebrating his birthday uh, this coming Sunday. And lots of people are in touch with me, asking me to wish him well. And I'm happy to do so. So happy birthday, Pat, for Sunday. From all your family, all of your friends all over the city and the county and everybody here as well at Red FM. Now, Meatloaf, so, so far I know that he played City Hall in 1985. He certainly played Mill Street. He certainly played Connor Castle. He definitely played the Marquis. And as I said, he played Neptune. And then there was a bit of confusion about the date. And thank you to those of you that texted me to say, because I was at that Neptune Stadium gig. It was January 1990. So thank you all for that. Apparently, Brian Ring says it was actually a gig that was moved from the Monster Arms. Uh, here's a picture from the Echo uh, when it was moved over to Neptune. And he sent me. I don't know where you got that picture from, Brian. Maybe you're just a huge Meatloaf fan, but he has it nonetheless. Due to an unprecedented demand for tickets, the Meatloaf concert has been switched from Bandon to Neptune Stadium. January 31st, tickets purchased to the original ven- venue are valid for Neptune and, of course, they'd opened up lots more bookings and the tickets were being booked and bought at the time in golden discs. So we're back at uh, January 1990 for that. I got a text in saying to me this morning, you need to talk to Brian Morey, the meatloaf impersonator. The texter says he is unreal. And Brian joins me by phone. Brian, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you keeping? I'm good, pal. Devastated with the news of your idol's passing. Um- very sad, yeah. My, my sister actually, amazing how social media works. My sister sent me a message from Turkey. She lives in Turkey and she sent me a message early this morning. And the last time she sent me a message, she got the person wrong. It was Jim Steinman that passed away. So I thought, ah, geez, she's, she's actually getting the wrong person again here now. But then everybody started sending me messages. I know. That he was dead, yeah, yeah. And yeah. So very, very sad. The two, the two of them are gone. Like, the man who wrote the songs, Steinman, and the man who sang the songs, yeah, Meatloaf. Yeah, yeah. It's the end of a. Uh, the end of the two of them and, and just, they, they were so kind of um, they, they crossed generations I suppose even even nowadays when I'm singing Meatloaf songs I don't all just sing Meatloaf songs but when I sing Meatloaf songs young people middle aged people elderly people they all love it you know so and, and you know this passing and the story of his death of course will encourage even more people of a younger generation to check out his music but was he I mean I know that he died with his wife by his side and his daughters and friends so he mm. must have been unwell for a while do you know anything about that? Yeah, no, I know that he had, um, he was very unwell for a while. He, he had very bad back trouble. He had operations on his back and they, they were a bit botched. And um, so he was suffering big time with his back. And Meatloaf was very bad. He had very bad asthma as well. He was very bad asthmatic. Yeah. And that was putting a kind of an added strain on his heart and everything recently as well. Um, so he put up some videos on Facebook um, and you could even see that he was kind of aging a lot in the last kind of two or three years. I saw you know, a couple so, of photographs. Uh, he looked he looked quite frail. He had lost an incredible did, amount of weight. He yeah. did. Not, yeah. not half the behemoth he was kind of when he was the on behemoth, stage. behemoth, you know, yeah, well said. Yeah. yeah. And he, I mean, he had highs and lows. And even from the point of view of places that he played in Cork or in Ireland, I mean, he played the biggest venues in Ireland all over. And then yeah. some of the smaller ones, yeah. like he, he went from the point to Neptune's at different periods in his career. He did, and it's what's funny, actually, his, his book, his autobiography, 
um, or a biography, I think, actually, but he kind of had a, a, an input into the, the content of it. But he was playing in Mill Street and things were so kind of bad that they were playing. It was like, he they called it like a big hay barn. It must have been something maybe similar to a small marquee or something. But they couldn't... Um, they didn't it was an equestrian, you know it. It was an equestrian centre originally for horse jumping or what have you. But That's it right, also did the yeah. Eurovision and stuff. But I remember the BBC yeah. mocking it during the Eurovision. But yeah. go on anyway, yeah. Yeah. He, they didn't have the right equipment to get the lights high enough, so they had to call to the local parish church and the parish priest actually. <laughs> he fetched a ladder and gave him a ladder to use. That's how kind of bad things were. I yeah. think that was around um, yeah. the, the late 80s that he was really down in his office. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, luckily yeah. he kind of, he resurfaced. And tell me about your gigs then, what you do. Because you call yourself a satirical yeah. performer. What's that? Well, it, it's, not, it's, it's not so much kind of, it's just that his, I suppose, um, his songs are kind of, they're, they're, they're dramatic and they're mini operas and there's a bit of sarcasm, tongue-in-cheek kind of stuff with all the songs. And, um, I suppose I like kind of conveying that side of it, the funny side of it, you know, and the audiences react to it. They love it. I don't just sing Meatloaf songs, but back in the late, uh, nine, the mid-90s, Tom Kinnean, the late DJ. Do you remember Tom Kinnean? Yeah, passed away there a yeah years ago. I do. Um, Tom came up with the idea of running a Stars in Your Eyes competition in Cork because <laughs> it was very big on ATV. Yeah. At the time, there was no yeah. um, Voice UK or no X Factor that time. So he ran one in Cork and, and I won it luckily enough it was the final was in Rochestone Park and they won it and ever since then kind of people were saying Jay you should put something together you should put something together so we did and we had a band for a good number of years um, Karen, myself and another few but Karen O'Reilly and then we put a band together and we we, we played around the, the country really and it was brilliant you know it was uh, fairly taxing no, did you I, go I, for uh, the, the did you go on to try and get into the ITV version of it then we did we weren't successful we sent the, we, we auditioned for it but um, we weren't yeah. successful yeah. and when you won the when you won the Cork stars in your eyes what, what meatloaf yeah. song was it I would do anything for love but I won't do that and what the hell is that song about I mean what does it he, what is it that he <laughs> won't do for love a lot of people kind of miss that, but but he, he was he used to get tired of answering it. Actually, he said, but, but it's actually at the end of every just before he says it, there's a line before it. Like the first time around, now he'd say like, "I'll never stop dreaming of you." She kind of he's in love with her. She kind of wants him to kind of forget about her, and move on. The first time he says that, "I'll never stop dreaming of you." I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. Yeah, I'll never forget how you feel right now. I do anything for love, but I won't do that. <laughs> All right, well, you're kind of... Because there's two... Well, there's probably more mysteries in music. One is what the hell American Pie is about, and the second is what the hell is <laughs> I do anything for love, but I won't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if, I suppose if you just before he says it, the next time I know if you're listening to it, just before he says the line every time, there'll be a little line before it kind of saying what he won't do. You yeah. know? Are you still gigging meat love stuff then? I'm still, I'm still, I gig about you and no, I'm working up here in the Cork Academy of Music. I teach music up here with Billy O'Callaghan. That's, it's actually Billy texted me and says you need to yeah, talk to Brian. Yeah, <laughs> but I do, I, I gig at the weekend and I just gig on my own. But we were, just before COVID, we were putting the band back together and COVID came and then hit. We were rehearsing actually, um, four of us were rehearsing and it was brilliant to rehearse again and just listen to the Beatles songs. They're so energetic and yeah, they're so kind yeah, of yeah. powerful. Like, and so hopefully... And as you said, this might be the catalyst to try and keep it alive, you know, and keep his music alive. So, without a doubt. And listen, when you have a gig organised, because everything is opening up, it's going to open up really rapidly, very fast. We'll yeah. know an awful lot more yeah. later on today. Do let me know where the gigs are because people would love to go, oh, Brian. Much. They'd love to go. Thanks very much. Yeah. But we listen, had great days. We had great days when back when we were doing this. Um, I had great friends helping me as well. Sharon, oh, and other people were helping me, and and 
It was fantastic. So definitely I will, yeah. I'd be delighted to. Fair play to you. Listen, good to catch up. Sad as the news is. And thanks very much for the call. You're thanks more than welcome, bye. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Talk soon. Well, Take well, care. Sean, good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year to you. And, and you too, my man. Um, you went to you went to a couple of different gigs, didn't you? One in particular stands out. Is it a gig in Thurles, was it? Yeah, to be honest with you, uh, it was just uh, the one gig I ever saw uh, meet up in, and that was back in 1990. It was uh, Fela 90. It was uh, the first year of Fela, and uh, it was a Friday night gig. Um, meet up was headlining. He was probably the, the one and only. He had done very few international acts in the first year. Um, and I'd say he was happy to be gigging because things weren't going great then for him. Wasn't great back then, no, in 1990. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I knew a little bit about him, um, I suppose, just from the radio and stuff. I didn't have any of his uh, records or anything back then. But um, I remember the Friday night being at the gig uh, right up the front. Um, Meatloaf, Meatloaf came out. Um, he was standing there in the middle of the stage, you know, doing his stuff and all the rest. And during, this, during the set, he just uh, stopped. He took out a hairbrush <laughs> out of his pocket. He brushed his hair. He was dripping in sweat. Tied back his hair into a ponytail and just took off again and his hair bits of hair blowing in the wind and stuff with the lights and stuff it was it was a kind of a memory I kind of it was just amazing memory, memory that stuck in your head yeah it stuck in my head yeah, all those years nearly because he's um, a big guy and like, he sweated profusely yeah oh yeah what I remember there was a big guy back then and uh, probably got bigger as he got older he did no, he, and his way. weight fluctuated an awful lot for long periods and he was as thin as a whippet and then big again yeah it is I think his health wasn't great there in recent times but uh, yeah it was probably my it was my first festival Neil and most of my Many, but uh, it was a great, a great uh, start point. It's so, one uh, of those memories that you hold on um, to. Yeah. You know, to music, uh, following music and stuff. Well done. But anyway, well, that, that's my memory in Neil. Anyway, you said it, John. Anyway, so. Take care of yourself. Take, Have a great weekend. Okay. All the best. Saw me loaf and concert in Mill Street many years ago. One of the best concerts I was ever at. R.I.P. Another person saw him in Dalymount Park in '82. Wow, absolutely amazing. Loved him. '82. I remember Meatloaf playing in Connacht Castle. I don't remember the year, but my older brother and his friends went, uh, and they used to go every year. It used to be the highlight of the summer, the Connor Castle gigs. Sad passing of Meatloaf. Wondering what uh, I won't do that means. I hope that you got an explanation from Sean, or sorry, from Brian Morley, as to what that lyric means. Uh, love to hear you took the words right out of my mouth, says Elaine Holmes in Boeing. Devastated over Meatloaf. The montage you played was brilliant. I fell in love with Meatloaf at the age of nine on a road trip from Cork to Navan. I guess that's listening to the music. He wasn't in the car with you. As soon as your show's over, I'll be playing Meatloaf for the day to commemorate. I double dare you to play the full version of Paradise by the Dashboard Lights, says Tricia in London. I love a dare, me. Bit of a coward at the same time, though. I think that's very long, isn't it? Uh, and then lots of other texts coming in. Status Quo also played Neptune. City Hall wasn't available for them. Oh, yeah, Quo gig. That must have been great and loud. So keep the text coming. I see loads coming in. You can choose the next one. You've chosen the first one already, which was uh, already played. Uh, two out of three amp So we'll do another one this side of midday. Back after the break, we've got some free food Friday shout-outs on the way. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number, 0818-104-106. Incredible call yesterday from Sarah at the age of 62 and the uh, ticks that she has of a lot of things that she put down on her bucket list and has already achieved uh, and has more to achieve. I will be updating with her because we have news for her regarding her bike and bike training and I should have some news as well regarding the boat and some boat training and both of those can be ticked off and should be up and ready to go for the back end of the spring or maybe even sooner and enjoy the summer on the water and maybe enjoy the summer on a bike. Not quite sure what kind of a bike, but we'll find out. Lots of texts on that. Yesterday also, we were talking about the healthcare bonus that would go to uh, healthcare workers 
and indeed the army for working uh, through uh, COVID. Mind you, there's a lot of people saying that others are also entitled to it. I get all of that. We discussed it. Some texts from yesterday. I'd like to know if home helps are entitled to the bonus as well. They work for the HSE. They never stopped working throughout the pandemic either, attending to clients six or seven days a week. It's frontline as far as I'm concerned, says John. And I agree. And, and I would think, I'm open to correction, I would think that anybody working for the HSE, including home help, anybody working with any kind of patients or clients, would be entitled to the 1,000. You can correct me if I'm wrong. If they can't give everybody a 1,000 euro, then why don't they put a stop on people's tax? A couple of months of not paying tax would be a benefit for a lot of people. Just give us all a tax credit. What about teachers? Any bonus? Not yet anyway. They're not included. John O'Donovan says, all for one and one for all. Who was it used to say that? Was that Robin Hood? He says, either everyone or no one. Phil says, it was announced that the army is included in the payment, although I believe the nurses would be entitled. I think the consultants and the doctors should not get it. Another one, just a point in regarding the €1,000 bonus for health workers and the extra day public holiday. I'm a self-employed builder. I've had a year of no work, and this year we're trying to make up for lost wages during lockdown. The health workers worked through lockdown. They were all paid through lockdown. It's the self-employed who suffered. And now we're told we're to lose another day's work to a public holiday. In the UK, self-employed have had up to £15,000 in support payments. I've spoken to many friends over the water who have received this payment. I have the utmost respect for our health workers and the great job they do, so I'm not having a dig at them. It's just that the whole system is wrong, says Jason, particularly with regards to healthcare work, sorry, with regards to self-employed workers like himself. Just another few. What about all of us who are fitting broadband during the pandemic, assisting people to work from home? Uh, are we not frontline? Are we not entitled to a thousand euro? Another one I heard, I've heard it all now. A thousand euro for GPs and doctors. Are the government actually having a laugh? Do the GPs really need a thousand euro? They're all loaded. I doubt it's the doctors pushing for this. It's unions constantly pushing. What about me? I'm a supermarket worker. Worked hard over the last two years. You did, and that you should be entitled to it. The question is, is it the state should pay you or is it your employer? You know, particularly if it's a big, massive, multinational supermarket. My daughter's a chef in the CUH. She is not getting it. Cleaners, porters, admin staff are getting it. This is all wrong. It is wrong. And I'd say you'd be very depressed now if that was the case, that a chef wouldn't get it, but that the cleaners, porters, admin staff and the healthcare workers do. You need to brush up on your research. It was made crystal clear that the army members... Yeah, I did that yesterday. They're also getting a thousand. Oh, yeah, I see the bitching has begun. I'm an ex-military man, and I reckon the text about the army uh, getting the money was from a guard. They didn't do much in COVID. They only checked for tax and insurance, the guards. They got a lot more paid than the army, and can you introduce so it would be better paid than the army, navy, and the air corps, and they're better paid than nurses. Oh, the bitching has begun. Um, that's somebody who's ex-army saying that uh, uh, the guards shouldn't get it. Uh, what about couriers who were supplying the chemists and the hospitals? I mean, come on. Well, Michael McGrath said yesterday that they, they, they had to draw a line under it. Otherwise, they'd be giving it to each and everybody who would make a case. Um, as usual, taxi drivers are omitted from the list. Shall we only brought doctors and nurses to work every day? Shall we only brought the COVID patients to and from the COVID test centres, says Jimmy. And one more. We work for a company that supplies all the pharmacies, every hospital uh, and home in Cork with medication and whatever they need. All our drivers went into places every day and we will receive nothing why is it that we went to work every single day of the pandemic and put our own health and families at risk and we don't receive a single penny 
from our company or the state. We didn't even get a bottle of hand sanitizer off them, even though we delivered it to hospitals along with medication. I'm all for the hospital staff getting it, but the rest of us, as usual, are left to rot. And two or three more, and then we'll park it. I don't know why the guards are feeling the need for a thousand euro bonus. A lot of people were giving grief at checkpoints when travelling to loved ones and travelling to work as essential workers during lockdown. They deal with the public anyway. That's what they're paid for, the guards. Plenty of us worked flat out through the pandemic in a medical devices industry uh, who now have to pay back tax because their employer availed of the wage subsidy scheme. It's not on. Um, I think to a large extent, um, you might give uh, grief and you think it might be needed to be given to the Garda, but the actual Garda at the checkpoints and those that were out and about on the beat or... Uh, you know, they were actually doing as they were instructed by their superiors. It wasn't the actual members of the Guardi themselves that were enforcing the rules. They were told to um, enforce the regulations. And then there's, don't forget us cleaners, at the end of the day, we're the ones who have to clean the COVID germs. We never get the credit for the extremely hard work we do. Okay, so happy to update on those ones. On what otherwise is a very, very positive day with the announcements that are going to be made later on. Uh, everything will go, and I mean everything apart from mask wearing. But if everything goes fine, masks will be gone by the 28th of uh, February. You know, you talk about masks are, are people that you can and can't recognize because they have a mask on. It's happened to me loads and loads of times, actually. You don't literally know somebody. Uh, it leads me on to another interesting story with regards to people that you think you know and you don't know. Has anybody heard the term catfishing? There's an entire television series based now on catfishing, where a person pretends to be somebody else. I have absolutely no idea why. Um, is it predominantly men do it? I'm sure women must do it as well, pretending to be somebody else, like almost hijacking somebody else's identif- identity, photographs, the lot. Um, there's a good story on this, actually, on Lee's side, and... Uh, I'm happy to say that a regular contributor to the program, Julie Haynes, decided recently to step back in and at least dip her toe into the dating game. She joins me by phone. Julie, good morning. Hi, Neil. Happy Friday. And you too. I picked up your story on on RSVP Live. So you decided what? To go on to a dating app, was it? Yeah, like everyone and their mother, I suppose, Neil, at, 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 at this time, we're all on dating apps because there's no mingling, there's no more nightclubs, there's no more meeting guys out in the bar like we used to years ago, pre-COVID. Yeah, but you can do all of that now next week. I know, but the thing is, I'm, I'm a frigid now again, Neil, if a fella came up to speak to me, I'd run a mile. You wouldn't know what to say. You, have, you've, lost, you've lost the ability to flirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, me and hundreds of others. But, oh, but you um, came yeah, across but, some kind of a weirdo, did you? Oh, God, it only happened to me. So, yeah, I met this guy on a dating app prior, prior, yeah, just about a week or two before Christmas. And we matched on a Sunday morning. And he messaged me on Sunday morning. And he was like, um, hi, how are you? I was like, good, thanks. I was like, I'm a bit hungover. He's like, like myself, I was out last night. And I was like, oh, very good. I said, where are you from? And he says, I'm originally from Limerick. I'm a self-employed builder. This, of course, now that people don't know, is back and forth by text, yeah? Yeah, well, this was the first message, though. He was kind of introducing himself. Yeah, okay, go ahead. And he was just saying that he was a self-employed builder up in Limerick. He's actually kind of making it up in Limerick. And he had another two or three guys working for him in Clare. And now he was down in Cork. He was trying to break through Cork, you say, you know. So I was like, oh, fair play, really, if your head on your shoulders. And extend yeah. his construction empire into the rebel county. Yes, exactly. That's what his plan was, he was telling me. And I was like, oh, Brilliant. 
really, really normal out this guy, right? Chatting really respectful. Like, you know, I'm on that app now a couple of weeks and like some fellas could be very sleazy and I would just delete them straight away if they ask, like, if, if they ask any imp- inappropriate questions. Yeah, or, like, I think know. it can be inappropriate questions and also for intimate photographs and all that kind of yeah. nonsense, yeah? Yeah, what, what I would block straight away because he's just a sleaze bag. Yeah. But this guy... As I said, very normal. We were chatting now about hidden assets was on at the time on a Sunday evening. Bah. And I was watching that e- that evening. I was telling him, he's like, oh, I love that as well. And we were chatting about Tin and the fall. Like, and we were, all, we were into the, re- the normal TV series. Yeah. And then um, as Christmas was approaching, then he says, um, and what about Christmas? Are you doing anything for Christmas? And I says to him, look, my dad is actually after passing away earlier in the year. And my granddad passed away three weeks ago. So we're going to have a really, really quiet Christmas. And he was lovely. And he said, oh, Julie, I'm so sorry to hear that. My own father passed away three years ago as well. And, you know, he really reassured me. He was really sympathetic. He was lovely. Yeah, yeah. So he said, look, I'm not going to say it gets easier, but, like, you, you learn to live with a blah, blah. Really lovely. So then I dropped the bombshell. That, look, to be honest, I actually have a set of twins myself. I'm a single mom to twins. They're four. And he's like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. He said, I'm a twin myself. Ah, uh, my... Yeah. <laughs> Like your your head screwed on. Like did did any alarm bells start to go off that everything you did he is the equivalent of no? So well, I was telling one of the girls and she was kind of like oh, I don't know Julie but at this stage now I'm so weak I'm blindsided all right I'm like no he's normal like no he's really respectful not asking me for any sort of pictures or not like. You're not, not being sleazy or anything. Like, sure, what else do you want? Like, for me, she was like, I don't know, Julie, there's a couple of red flags there. Watch yourself for him. Had you seen, at this stage, any, you'd seen a photograph well, of him, too. Yeah, yeah, there's photographs on the, the, this app, like. Yeah. So they're all very normal photographs of him in a bar or him, like, playing golf or him in his household and his dog. So when Oh, I, yeah, you want to get a woman, get a dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Here's the dog photograph. Right? Yeah. I dropped the twin bomb, bombshell and he says um, oh I'm a twin myself and you won't believe this Julie but my twin had ba- twin babies 10 months ago so I said oh my god so at this stage now I had him up the aisle for July 2024 I'm like ah we're back made in heaven oh my so god he's sending me a picture of him holding the twin babies they're only 10 months old but they're in matching clothes like matching jerseys Celtic jerseys and so I'm only weak as I said now in my mind I had the man up the aisle right <laughs> So he says to me that evening, but this is only on day two now of texting, or day three maybe. So that evening, then he says, look, he says, are you free tomorrow? He says, I understand you're off the walls with the twins and bedtime or whatever. So look, as you know, I'm self-employed. I'll knock off whatever time I want. So I can meet you at four. That way you're home and all for our bedtime. Yeah, but he's in Limerick, isn't he? No, he's down in Cork now, trying to break through Cork, remember? Oh, does he's he say, did he, so he's, he actually had moved, did he say something he about, sure, yeah. I'm in, I'm, I'm, was he living in Douglas now, in inverted commas? Douglas, yeah. yeah. So he's only 10 minutes away from me, so he's like to me, look, I could knock off any time I want, he's telling me he's working in Glanmire. I'll knock off whatever time I want, you know, I'm self-employed, I'll meet you at four o'clock and you'll be home and I'll put the kids to bed. And I think like, this fella's really understanding, you know? So I'm weekend with myself. So this is a Wednesday, anyway, I'm at home, and he's like, look, I'll give you a text later, leave you know what the crack is. And I was like, brilliant. Neil, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I never put on makeup or get dressed up in midweek. Never. I'm like, oh, I normally wear oversized hoodies and leggings, and my hair up the top of my head. I'm all dressed up on a Wednesday afternoon, and I'm waiting for my Prince Charming, right? Oh, God. I heard nothing, and I text him on, and I was like, well, what's the story? You still knocking off early, hope, hope on as well, because I heard nothing for hours and hours. 
and he says, oh, Julie, I'm so sorry. A wall fell down. Now, because now I had my friends in my ears anyway say, Julie, there is a couple of red flags. I just, alarm bells bounced started ringing when this, a wall fell down. I says, go away with that now, Humpty Dumpty. I says, what's your surname, actually? Because he never told me his surname. He wasn't on any social media. So he says Murphy, we say. And I started Googling, we say, Anthony Murphy. And, like, nothing was coming up for him. And if he was trying to break through court, like, the way he was saying, I'm surely to God he would have put out some ad or, you know, like... Yeah, yeah. Whatever, you know. So you actually went so far as to drill into RIP.ie, did you? Yeah, because, as I said, he was after telling me his dad was after passing away for years prior... So I went up myself, one of the girls, I swear to God, we went down to RIP and I looked up, he was uh, telling me the town, he wasn't from Limerick City, some, from some village. So I put in, we say, Murphy and the town and next thing, this man came up and you know when I got up with Neil, if you passed away in the morning, you'd have Neil Prentville on RIP and then probably in brackets, brackets like radio presenter or something like that. Oh, you're giving me the shivers. <laughs> yeah, but you know this guy now had in brackets. Give me dead and um, buried. <laughs> yeah, like he had in brackets, we call him John Murphy. In brackets, then, um, it's like builder or set contract builder, something like that. Anyways, and it was it was replica. Rep- I know what this man is after telling me, and I was like, "Is that his dad?" So you know the way then it says, "Mourned by son Paddy, Jimmy, and Dad." Correct. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh my God, is that one of them?" Like, so I went down to again, went back onto Google, and I googled all of these lads, but sure wasn't my fella at all. I was like, "Ah, oh, no, there's something up." So I called him and I texted him back, and I was like, "You're a catfish to me, a hundred percent." And he had the cheek bent to call me off my game. And your man then hiding behind fake pictures. And here I am off my game, he says. And he blocked me. Was that his, was that his only response? You're off your game, blocked. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't leave me, like, didn't give me a chance or anything to message back because I was blocked. And so did you, you know, what, like, did you, that's, that's the end. Of, like, what, why do people do that? I mean, what's the reason for it? Like, are they lonely or do they think it's funny? So then, like, as you know, I have, I have an Instagram following. I've, I've over 80,000 following now on my Instagram. So I came on for the crack and I was telling everybody on Instagram, the like, you won't believe what's after happening to me. So I repeated the story of what I'm just after telling you. Next thing, Neil, five, and because I was after saying the twins, and that was a lovely photograph he was after sending me, five girls came forward and they sent me a screenshot of this guy and holding the twins. I'm like, Julie, is that him? I said, five different, would there be five, five Cork girls or from around the country? <laughs> So that's it. There was most of us from Cork. There was one girl from Clarny. So it was between Cork and Kerry. And I reckon, like, the girl in from Clarny, he catfished her about a year and a half ago. So he's, uh, he's doing this a year and a half. Do you and think he's in Cork, Julie, or what? I would say so, because when you're on these apps, like, you have a certain radius, like, it might go over 10 kilometres, or, like, you don't want to have a pin pal up in Donegal, you And know? did they all say similar stories, that he was just perfect, and the date was, perfect. you know, he just didn't, yeah. the last minute, then he cried off, is it? Yeah, exactly, or any time they like, I was lucky. And whose photograph that. is it? It's some guy somewhere else in the world, is it? In New- no, England, and, like, a very normal guy, so that's, so that's what happened now when I told my Instagram, all these girls had to come forward. And this one particular girl came forward and said, Julie, I was chatting to that lad for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, like, that kept coming up with excuses not to meet me. So because he was using all these pictures, whether it's his friend now or whether he's just stalking this guy, I don't know. But he was using this fellow's pictures. And one evening he sent this girl a picture and said, I'm just in from work. But she screenshotted the picture and she zoomed in and she could see the work crest on his uh, on his jumper yeah, and hoodie. Yeah. So she Googled the, the, the name of the worker, the business, wherever, and then she find the real guy. So this guy in, in Newcastle doesn't oh, even realise that there's a guy in Ireland, probably in yeah. Cork, 
pretending yeah. to be him all of the time. Yeah, yeah. And like she sent me his LinkedIn for his Instagram. So I went down myself and he's a very normal guy. Did you tell him? That there was a guy. I, no, because I'm Marshmallow because he just got engaged. And I'm like, you're one. Be like, come out that one over in Ireland this week for you. I know, sure. I mean, I don't know whether it would be right to say it to him or not. I yeah. don't know. Maybe you'd like, yeah. sometimes you're better off not knowing. But how did it make it? It's a form of voyeurism. He obviously gets, people get a kick out of this. I know there's entire TV series dedicated to, to catfishing. But how, how honestly did it make you feel? You know what? I was lucky because I was only chatting to him for three days. And like, like as I said, no, I nearly had him up the aisle at one stage. Didn't meet the guy, but he was so lovely. But you know what? At the time, I was laughing and joking about it. But now, since the last two weeks and what's actually going on, you'd be thinking to yourself, "What? what what's he planning? It might, it might be a woman. I don't know. But like, what, what's he planning? You don't know. You see, that's you just know? it. You don't know. I mean, you, like you, know? you know, I mean, I mean, we hear all too often of women supposedly falling in love with a person who they think is genuine. And they end up cleaning out their bank accounts and stuff yeah. like that. You know, I, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that that catfishing does it ever go that far. I mean, you don't know. You would, you wouldn't know. Like, you know, he's doing it a year and a half. Whether this guy or Jesus could be a woman behind the the page, like whether he or she is so lonely. You don't even know that it's a man because you never actually yeah. spoke on the phone. Never, never. So, like, whether it's down to COVID and restrictions, and they have no friends or family, and just really, really lonely, or he or she is up to something. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of sad though, in the sense that you you want to meet somebody. You got a full on life with the twins. You're very very yeah. busy, but at the same time, you're, you're a woman. You want a relationship, and this is the oh. f- this is the fool you come up against. Exactly, and as I said, very normal pictures, like pictures with him and his friends. Like there's other people in the pictures. As I said, him holding his dog. You know, they weren't. It wasn't like a soccer player. You know, sometimes you see those pictures a mile away, like. I don't know, a big model or a Google images yeah, or something like that. Yeah. This was a very, very normal picture. You just don't know any more in the world. There's apparently a text that says there's a fascinating podcast on catfishing. It's called Sweet Bobby. It was yeah. a girl doing it to her best friend who was another girl. Are you aware of that? I heard of that podcast. I didn't listen to it myself, but I definitely heard of it. Yeah, it's amazing. So what, what's, what's the deal going forward? Are you still um, interested well, with the restrictions, hopefully, we missed it now this evening. We'll be back to some bit of normality maybe next week. What's a perfect man to you then? He's clearly not this character, but what would he be? I would, you know what? Uh, are you attracted? Is it, is it definitely a builder, is it? Oh, I love the Snickers fans. You know what? Because I'm a single mom. I can't hang up the pictures. They're already framed. I need a man to hang up like shells. Like uh, yeah, but what is he? Well, that's fine. You want him to do work for you. But what has he got to look like? Oh, I like I wouldn't care once he was a bit funny and just not like uh, funny. I I love somebody funny now and just. You come here. I didn't come down in the last shower of rain. Women say that. Oh, he has to have a good personality. <laughs> it's not true. It's, he's got to have more than that. The, the eye, but like personality captures the heart, doesn't it, Neil? <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. All right. Well, listen, good luck. Have a great weekend and hopefully you'll have better success going forward. <laughs> Cheers. Julie Haynes is on Instagram at Twins and Me. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086 8104106. Oh, yes. Red 
FM. Be careful out there in the digital age of dating. Actually, there's an article in the Times UK this morning saying which magazine did an investigation into Tinder. Apparently, apparently you pay for Tinder. I didn't know that, but I guess they got to make money too. But they discovered that if you're over 50, you pay nearly 50% more than somebody who's under 30 for the very same products and the very same service. There's age discrimination for you that the over 50s, are they saying that they have more money or they deserve to pay a little bit more money for love? I don't see why. But that's the way it's working out, apparently. Anyway, it's a free food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. So this will feed 15 of you. So it's the big, large, jumbo, large pizzas with garlic breads, potatoes, drinks, dips and desserts. And the only way you'll win and feed 15 of you is if you text where you are and who you are to 086-8104-106. A lot of this, of course, down through the years has been for people in the workplace. That changed somewhat because a lot of people were working remotely. Some were going to work and some weren't. So you're all included in this. Text 086-8104-106. Who you are and where you are and who you're working with. So some free food Friday shout-outs. Pat Dalton, pharmacy and staff on the North Main Street. Morning to you all. To Logitech, the claims team. Working especially Megan, Susan and Shrikish. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, the January blues will be banished with pizza. Uh, Billy at SOS Recovery in Blarney and also on the Tremor Road. There's 12 of them working with SOS. Bandon Golf Club uh, for Adrian, Mickey and all of the hardworking green keepers keeping the course in top condition. Everybody working uh, from home including Pat Dunley in Blarney with Niall and Paul and all the lads working for Kevin McAllen Building Services. For Barry Joyce Cole up at the top of Fair Hill. Morning Sandra. To Guys and Dolls Hair Salon on the South Main Street who are listening. Amari Ireland are on board on the Tremor Road. Maria's working at home and her son's favourite food is... Pizza. Be safe group on Monaghan Road. Uh, Prompto dispatch on Watergrass Hill. Eurocar parks in Ducloyne. ERA Downey McCarthy on the South Mall. And just one or two more for all of the hardworking staff in the Heather House Community Nursing Unit at St. Mary's Health Campus in Grawn. All around Beauty in Mayfield and Little Island Dental Surgery. So keep those texts coming and we'll do one more blast of shout outs around about 20 minutes past 11 and then someone's going to win all of the pizza courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. A lot of texts and emails and different topics over the last couple of days. I'll plough into some more of those. And one or two of the topics that touch the hearts of many people over the past couple of days have also garnered uh, quite an amount of texts and calls too. And one has to do uh, with this bonus, the €1,000 bonus. Vincent, good morning. Good morning, sir. I mean, it's a great day today. It's a happy day. I'm trying to accentuate the positive as often as much as I can. So can I just ask you, are you happy with the news? Oh, I'm always happy with good news. Yeah, well, you know, that restrictions are lifting, that announcements will be made today. It's yeah. a good thing, right? Yes, but Mickey, Mickey, now we'll come out with the call guns blazing tonight, I suppose. In what way? Well, the big speech he's going to make tonight. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's one that he's looking forward to, you know? He probably is, yes. But I'm uh, I'm not looking forward to other things, uh, uh, Neil. I tell you... On, on Sunday's Independent, first of all, Sunday's last Sunday's Independent, there was a small notice in the middle of the paper. 52000 for the CEO of the Hoss Board, the Horsey people, the millionaires. Mr. McGrath and the Minister for Agriculture gave, I think it was a horror actually, a lady, an extra 52000 onto her big salary. Right. What's the salary? Do you know? I think it's, it was one ninety. So one ninety plus fifty two. Yeah. Oh yeah, another fifty two on again, like. And, and uh, yeah. of course, we know what the head of the HSE earns an astronomical amount of money oh, as well. Don't talk, man. You know. So, but on the other, on the other hand, then 
Now, the old age pensioners, they got a fiver. I know people, including myself, I got 490. They kept back 10 pence. You see, that... that and that, then my, th- my friend, my friend got, was kept back 50 cents. Why? We don't know. Okay, how much, what is the old, what does the old age pension pay every week now? Jesus, I'm not sure. I think it's about 250 or 252 or something. 252, 256. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and, ev- and everybody gets it. Is the, Do you think that's a fair system that even those that are, like if those that are very rich and don't need it didn't get it, and those that aren't rich and need it get more, would that not be a fairer system? Of course it would. And I, and I know that's no, I'm just asking. I'm, I'm not saying it should happen because people yeah, say that the old age pension is something you pay into all your life. I'm just wondering. That's crazy. But I know that you know, they're going to come up with it. Actually, they're going to give cars and drivers to all the ministers. Junior ministers included. Every one of Two I drivers, know, actually. Two drivers. Yeah, I know, yeah, I just want to say that. And that will, that will take away about from 30 to 40 detectives on guards off of the road. When they should be down on their bicycles, down every part in the country, watching these fellas, watching women. Well, it goes to show also how much worry they have as to their safety regarding the public, doesn't it? That they have to give them security. It tells you what people think of politicians, I suppose. Oh, God almighty, what are they security for? Isn't there men all driving all these junior ministers? Men? Ex-guards? And at the, ex-guards, at, most at, of them. At the same time then, giving all this money away so freely and giving out drivers and cars to every Tom, Dick and Harry... At the same time, then, there's issues regarding the bonus, isn't there, as to who should and shouldn't get it? Well, all the unions were jumping on the bandwagon yesterday, including the head of the guards in Limerick, looking for the bonus. For what? They got paid. They're doing their job. Would you include all of the healthcare workers in that, that they got paid? Oh, certainly. Anybody inside the, anybody inside the front door of a hospital should get the bonus. N- not consultants, though. But all the nurses, the nurses were the worst of all. They were the worst. They were the people that do, would do the heavy work. Yeah, but I can understand somebody then that was um, working under very, very difficult situations in supermarkets, working on the checkouts, working in the aisles, working on the doors. Um, they dealt with yeah, huge amounts yeah. of people. But so they were getting paid. Yeah, but so were the nurses and everybody in in, in health. Uh, but the nurses were doing ten times the work that any other people were doing. But isn't it like, is, isn't it a bit like giving something to one child and not to another? Isn't it a bit like, you know, inviting in, in a class of fifteen kids, um, you know, twelve to the birthday party and leaving the others out? It, it's hurtful. Of course it is. But they're grown up people. They're work- every one of them are working. Yeah, but bus drivers might be hard. Taxi drivers what? might be hard. Rail workers, the what? ones that you say shouldn't get it. But what about the old age pensioners? So, should they get it as well? For a, a bonus for COVID? Yeah, for, for, for sticking inside their front door for two years in LA, some of them. Yeah, well, where would you draw the line, I suppose? Yeah. I draw the line at the, at the, at the hospitals. Full stop. Yeah, uh, yeah, but why is it then that I'm told that catering staff within the hospitals and chefs and oh, cooks... Oh, yeah, they should get it as well because they were working hard as well now. But apparently I'm told by text that a chef working or somebody working in a kitchen of the CUH won't get it. 
That's wrong, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's very complicated, the whole thing, like, but yeah. people, people should be on the bandwagon, shouldn't get it. Gotcha, no more about it, no. gotcha, gotcha. All right, pal, yeah. have a good yeah. weekend. Thanks for that. Incidentally, I did get it wrong. Uh, all for one and one for all. Uh, Seamus tells me, uh, actually, it was not Robin Hood. It was the Three Musketeers. <laughs> Thanks for that. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7 a.m. and wake up your weekend with music, chats, and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. New year, new number for Neil. 0818-104-106. Yes, indeed. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves in Oak Farm Pizza. So you have 20 minutes now to text who you are and where you are to 086-8104-106. You know the drill. All of the pizzas and the garlic breads and the sides and the drinks and the dips and all the desserts will feed up to 15 of you, courtesy of ourselves in Oak Farm Pizza, Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street, Galabi Street and Douglas Village. You can order online oakfirepizza.ie this weekend. So we've a lot to be thankful for and a lot to be happy with after 22 months. There'll be an announcement later on today as to where we're going forward on our path to freedom and hopefully never to go back again. So we know of what they're talking about. Uh, you know that um, all of the restrictions. Um, let me just give you a bit of a list like I did earlier on. That will mean social distancing will be gone. All of the hospitality curfews will be gone. The 8 o'clock will be gone. The pubs will be back, stay open as long as they want. Uh, the use of COVID passes going in and out of places and QR codes and giving your number and your name as a lead party, all that's gone as well. And they also will be considering other things uh, almost two years since the curtailment of personal freedoms. Mask wearing will remain until uh, the end of February. But one of the things you'll also notice that more people will be going back to work. I suppose they'll maybe be happy to go back to work, some of them. Uh, and that'll be on a kind of a phased basis. You'll see indoor and outdoor events running to full capacity. So that would be music and sport and, and the likes. Uh, and the cabinet will meet um, I think the senior ministers are meeting uh, at midday and then the cabinet in full uh, will meet this afternoon and then Michal Martin will I imagine the 6-1 news will be the thing to watch. But you'll certainly be seeing pubs and restaurants and nightclubs uh, likely to reopen. Some are suggesting maybe the weekend, I don't know about that, but certainly and more than likely on Monday. Uh, so that's the deal. It's, uh, it's all good news and hopefully uh, it won't be any more steps backwards. It'll just be forwards and onwards and we'll learn to, as the fellow says, live with this. Okay, big response yesterday to Sarah at the age of 62, recently divorced, wanted to get on with her life and make up for what I suppose she would describe as many years of lost time and lots of opportunity. She was telling me all of the things that she's achieved so far and has yet to achieve and was looking for a bit of help in this regard. And we've had success in people living their dreams in the past. Lovely texts. What a fantastic woman. It's so lovely to hear someone so uplifting on the radio after such a sad week of news, says Vanessa. Fair play to that lady learning the piano late in life and reaching all of her life goals. Uh, Grade three on piano is a great achievement, as I spent 10 years driving to music lessons and still do. So well done to Sarah. All my girls went to the Cork School of Music and went to grade six. You can teach after grade eight. She's a fantastic inspiration. Um, Lovely text. That lady, Sarah, should try a Shannon boat cruise first. I hired a boat for a week last year on the Shannon. You could pull in anywhere, drift along, no traffic, peace and quiet, fantastic scenery, best holiday ever. Carrick Craft are the hire company and it's very safe for beginnings. I concur because I did exactly the same thing 
for not quite a week, but not far off it with Carrick Craft on the Shannon. It was a beautiful week. It was one of the weeks, actually, where we got glorious sunshine every day. Uh, Neil, please tell Sarah, don't buy a boat that needs work. Uh, Sarah, you're an amazing woman. Your positivity is oozing from the radio. I'd love to get in touch with you if possible, says Elizabeth. Another one. Tell the lady who's looking for a motorbike that the cost of lessons and going for a test is crazy. If she has a full car license um, from before 2004, she can drive a Honda 50 without going for a bike license. But it has to be less than 50 cc's. Tell that lady to get a light motorbike. The one I got was small. Uh, but too heavy for me, so I wasn't comfortable riding it, and I sold it. And one final one, Ita says, Sarah is an incredible woman and an inspiration to us all. She joins me again by phone. Sarah, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Your ears must be burning with the compliments. (laughs) They certainly are, and I'm really, really pleased. I'm really, really pleased. Good for you. Okay, so what we do know of the things you've done so far is learn the piano to grade three. You also um, did uh, Spanish, wasn't it? I'm still doing Spanish. You're doing Spanish. What else have you done again? Um, I um, I have uh, I do I do I've done art. You've done I the have, art. You've taken up the outdoor yes. walking, and that's very good for the heart. And you've taken oh, up the exercise. Oh, that's important. I yeah. have booked a woodworking, a woodmaking course, a woodworking course. Yeah. And um, I'm that's my first one. I actually logged on to. Um, St. John's College, and so, I saw a fabulous um, jewellery-making class yesterday. Well, you heard them on the um, air with us yesterday from St. John's. They have a jewellery class, and there's a place there for you. Yeah, well, I did. I waited. I thought I was actually going to speak to that lady, yeah. but I didn't. Okay, well, sure, that'll probably happen today. Um, Brenda will, will sort that out for you. We'll sort that out. But there's a place there on the course for you for jewellery. So the only two things then was the boat and the bike, wasn't it? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So I I told you yesterday that I'd, I would uh, defer to the professionals in this. So one thing is buying a bike, right? Second thing, okay. of course, is learning how to ride the bike. So you're going to have to need to get lessons. Okay. Yes. Okay. So David Bra- Dave Brown is a motorcycle instructor, uh, and he's got apparently a two day course. Imagine two days might do it. I'm not sure. Dave, good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm well, thank you. So, can you help this wonderful lady, Sarah, to get... um, Firstly, you give lessons on how to ride the bike, but do you have any opinion on what kind of a bike it should be at all, Dave? Okay, well, normally the procedure is somebody will come to do the training. They won't buy a bike afterwards, because then they'll know more what they're capable of uh, handling. Yeah. So, do you give them a bike, then? Yeah, we supply the bikes for the training and everything. Okay. But say, I don't mean to be ageist or anything, but Sarah's no problem. Say a 62-year-old, five-foot-two woman. What, what's, what's the ballpark kind of bike there? It, she doesn't want okay. a Vespa and she doesn't want a moped. Okay, so basically, the height comes in to a, a great deal. So you'd be looking at, say, a GN 125, which they're a low saddled bike. Um, so... The, Two both feet can touch the ground, and there's a bit of support there. Uh, the I suppose the oldest student I've ever had was 65, um, and he was he was grand. He worked away lovely. Um, Never on a bike before, is it? Yeah. That's okay. Right. Yeah. So yeah. the course like depends. Say if it's the one two five category A one, it'd be 16 hours. And if normally we could do that like two long, two full days, or we could break it down over periods of time, depending on the student and how they were, how they were picking it up and how the, the concentration and the, 
was going. Okay, so it could be done uh, over a weekend or spread out a little longer. Yeah. So that's yeah. practical. Tell me, there's a theory test as well. What, what's that part of it about? Okay, so basically to get, the, to get on the road, you have to apply to do your theory test um, to get your learner permit. Once you have the learner permit, then you go, you go ahead and book your IBT, your initial basic training. With you guys? That could be with, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so she needs to get a learner permit because she'll be riding something over 50 cc's, I guess. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. then she's got the permit and that's automatic. You just do that. Um, and then she books the course and then part yeah. of it is actually up on a bike and the other is a yeah. theory test. Yeah, well, the, the, the way the course will be worked out, you'll be, in, you'll be in the classroom for the first bit and we'll be obviously going over the theory side of things and what to expect and we'll be learning about the gear and the and uh, what to expect on the rest of the course. Then we ask a couple of hours, and then we go into the car park, which is sectioned off, private car park, and we'll be learning everything from how to get on, get off the bike, how to move off, how to control the bike, basically, yeah. on the slow riding skills. Yeah, and uh, I suppose there's cones then, is there the kind of a cone? Absolutely, yeah, in and out of cones, U-turns, the salams, figure of eights, emergency braking, so we'll be covering all that. Good, if, good. If everything is competent and, and done really well on the first day, then there shouldn't be an issue for the second day, which is a bit more classroom, a bit more practice, and six hours on the road. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Now, are you keeping up with all of this now, Sarah? Absolutely, I certainly am. Okay, so the, the actual learner permit is simple. You can get that sorted yourself. Then we can get you... Before, before I'd get the learner permit, I'd actually have to do my theory test. Yes, you have to do... You have to do the theory test to get the learner permit. Yeah, okay. To get the learner permit. Okay. First thing you got to do, so, is the theory test with Dave. Yes. Okay. No, no, no. You apply to the NDLS. Oh, it's the NDLS theory test. You're going into into the yes. city to do that one. All right, okay. Okay, yes. okay. Yes. Sorry about that. Okay. And so, then, then I would do get my learner permit, and then I would go out to Dave. But is the, the theory test, though, how could she do a theory test for a motorbike when she knows nothing about it? Is it just a general driving theory test? Yeah, so basically she should be studying the rules of the road. Rules of the road, road one, yeah. The road, yeah. Yes. Why would she have and to I do that if she already has a full driving license? That's just the way that it is, the system is. Okay, you got to go and do it again. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. And then she's laughing, then she can get back up on the, on the, on the, on the, on the bike for training then at that stage. Yeah, once okay. she has the permit, then, yep, she'll okay. do her training. And if she completes the training, then successfully, she'll be issued with an initial basic training cert, which will allow her to get insured on her own bike. Okay, and how big a bike, then, can she be insured on if she completes the well, training? If she, if she does, the, like, say, the A1 category on a 125, that's the maximum. Then you have, like, the A2 categories and the A categories, which will go up the CCs. Okay, but she only has to do the theory test once. How can she then decide what bike to go after? Well, she does the theory test, gets her permit. That's what I'm saying. Once she's done the course, she'll have an idea of what bike she wants to get. Gotcha. And then she can go for whatever. But it's going to recommend a 125cc motorbike, you're thinking? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you know Do you know about that, Sarah, 125? I absolutely do. I, I know a particular girl with a 125. Yeah. And she was quite happy with it for the beginning, but then she went up. But and I've seen the 125, and I personally would prefer uh, a little bigger. <laughs> would, you, would you not start with the 125 and trade it in after 12 months? <laughs> well, 
<laughs> Why start with something small when, when you're going to have, so have a little bigger? What have you got your eye on? Uh, um, well, I know somebody that has a, a 650 and <laughs> that's miles too big for me. But just something a little bigger than a 125. A 250 maybe? Maybe. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, well, 250, yeah. It should be going up into the A2 category then. Um, yeah, there wouldn't be an issue there. Well, as I said, every, everybody's different. Like, um, people will come on the course with expectations and then realise that, okay, maybe it's a bit more intimidating than I thought. So it's all, you have to play it by ear and see how we get on. Basically. Okay, okay. Well, thank you for your time, Dave. Over to you, Dave, for the theory. T- uh, uh, over to you, Sarah, to get your theory test done with the NDLS, right? And Dave okay. is waiting for you for the course then at that stage. Is that okay? Okay. And roughly, Dave, how much is the cost of the course? Well, the, the full course is normally six twenty, and that includes yeah. uh, motorcycle for training. And if you're stuck for gear as well, we can help. Uh, you will we be that. expecting a discount on that now, Dave? We can look after that. Don't worry. We're expecting a substantial <laughs> discount for that. <laughs> we, we, we will definitely look after that. All right. <laughs> and can I just ask, where are you based? Based in Middleton. Oh, that's absolutely ideal. You're down that side of the country anyway, aren't you? Absolutely, I am. Okay. Are you you living in Middleton, Sarah? No, no, but not that very far from there. Well, if you're ever passing by in the meantime, the weekend, if you're passing the Educate Together School and you see motorcycles in there, pop in and say hello to me. This this weekend, are you free? You can hook up with them directly. Certainly, I'll make myself free. I'll tell you what, you, we'll, we'll give you Dave's number when we get off the air today. You can free? continue the conversation with him. Dave, I, I have a feeling I'll be super. talking to you again during her lessons, all right? No problem. Look forward to it. Cheers, pal. Thank you so much. Now, Bonnie O'Reardon, so Bonnie O'Reardon is also down Middleton Way. He's got the Middleton Bike Project. So it's always great to defer to the professionals. Bonnie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thank you so much for taking the call. Um, Sarah is an inspiration to so many people. We wanted to help her as best we can. You want to take her for a spin? We will indeed. I mean, in the interim, because the process now she's going into will take a little while, but we're quite willing to take her out for a run any time the next couple of weeks. That would suit her maybe just to give her a taste of what it's like to, to get out there with real bikers. So, <laughs> so she'd be up on the back. She'd have a backer off a biker, is it? <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> So well, that sounds absolutely amazing. So tell me about the Middleton Bike Project. What do you guys do besides ride bikes? Okay, Neil. Well, I suppose more importantly, we're a community-based group. We're non-profit. And the reason it came about was to create a safe space for anybody that maybe had some time on their hands and wanted to go to a place to chill out, have a cup of coffee and have a chat. So for all inter- you know, intents and purposes, it's really like a big community cafe. And it's like a spin-off we, from the men's sheds and things like that, isn't it? It's kind of similar. We have our own distinctions, but it's similar. Okay. In, in, in okay. The so you got um, the tea room for tea and buns and what have you, and then tinkering around, the, tinkering around with bikes, is it? Exactly. We build an odd bike here and there as well, you know, but we're open uh, three nights a week at 6.30 in the evening, and everybody's welcome. We don't charge anything. 
and it, it's really for people to walk in. We don't ask anything other than the person's name and they don't want a cup of coffee. Fair play. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a great idea, actually. And, uh, you know, but I know as well, I know also you bring in second-hand bikes and you fix them up and things like that and you've got a full, st- you're, t- you're stocked up with tools and equipment and everything. All of that. Yeah. yeah. But I, I can tell you one thing. We talk more about building bikes than we actually do. <laughs> <laughs> you drink more tea than anything else. <laughs> and we do a lot of pondering on, on, on the facts of life and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, and of course all are welcome men and women so when do, do, you, do you not all suit up and leather up and helmet up and go for a ride we do we do a few ride outs then as well you know weather permitting and we it could be an organized one it might be just a few of us we've had bikes we did one promotional ride there about a year and a half ago and it was 180 bikes showed up for oh, it was a wonderful yeah. wonderful day you know yeah i know so I know. Yeah. it's everything in between you know and um, we've got a good bunch of guys that come and support us and our hope is within the next maybe two months to open up on a Sunday to have a biker's cafe already in the Middleton area. And that gives people direction to kind of pop down. You know, bikers are kind of nomads in one respect and they'll head off in all directions, you know. So we would hope in the next couple of months that we'd have this place ready that guys can drop in for an hour, 20 minutes, two hours, whatever, on a Sunday, you know. Okay, good stuff. Any thoughts on what Sarah, because she, she wants to jump in at the deep end, I feel, but, but you know, why, why, if she wants to, that's fine, but what do you think? Well, my thoughts are very simple. Let's, let's get her out for a spin and we'll give her a spin. We'll give her a view of a couple of different bikes and she can have and sit on all of them. And that will help her, you know, to um, to kind of ponder way in while she's waiting for her theory test and yeah, stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. Don't so she, don't put she her up in a Honda Goldwing, whatever you do, because she'll want to buy one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, anything is possible here, no need. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, are you okay with that, Sarah? You're good to go for a spin. Absolutely, I would so look forward to it. Great I'd be stuff. thrilled to be. Absolutely okay. thrilled. Coming together nicely then. Yeah. I certainly, I, I give her, I give her your 085 number, Bunny, and you can chat Thank with you. her directly. Then Sarah will give you a bell, and that'll happen. Are you talking about maybe the weekend after next or something like that, or what? Anytime you're ready, we're, I'm around Middleton most of the time, so there's no problem. We can either arrange it down that side, or we can meet her somewhere else. You know? gotcha. We try to get a few bikes. Gotcha, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. That's absolutely great, Bunny. I appreciate that. Coming together all. nicely for you, Sarah. Thanks, Thanks Bunny. So we'll much. chat Thank again, all right? Thank Cheers, Bunny. Take care. Bunny O'Reardon with the Middleton Bike Project. So, the other thing I need to work on now is, um, is, is getting the boat sorted. Are you going to do both of these at the same time, or do you want to park the boat and just deal oh, with no, the boat? Oh, no, no, no parking. Absolutely not. No. We'll do both. All right. Okay. Okay. No, All right. no point in waiting. Okay. I have to tell you a funny story about um, a war colleague of mine. Um, back about three years ago, in the good old days when we were able to go out on um, social outings, <laughs> we were heading off out one evening to go to a barbecue in town, and we were coming down Barrick Street on a bus, and my colleague, friend, Veronica, said to me, Sarah, there's the bike for you. And I looked around and there was a mobility scooter. <laughs> so, well, Veronica, if I can do this. <laughs> she was writing you off way too early, I think, Veronica she was. certainly was. No, sorry, no need for that. Okay, so... so with, I want to with, teach her. Well, absolutely. In the old days, we'd be giving her the two fingers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, maybe stay away from the Harleys for a while and stay away from the Honda Goldwings. But with regards to what would happen on the water, do you remember I said I chat with uh, with Eddie English, yes. yeah, who has sailed yes. Cork down in the harbour? He joins me by phone. Eddie, good morning. 
Good morning, Neil. How are you? Morning, Ed. I don't think she wants a sailboat. Boat. There's way too much work in that with sail and canvas. She wants something that will start every time she gets onto it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Right, right, right. And she, she has she tried tried out a boat yet? No, nah, nothing, nothing. Well, well there's, years there's, ago, there's a, years ago, a good while ago, I did go out on a fishing boat and had the most fantastic time. And I've always loved the idea of boats. But never had right. the well, opportunity there, to do anything. There's there still fishing boats going out of Cove and Crosshaven all the time, so that's one option to give it a go. There's um, a company in Cove called Cork Harbour Boats, and they have little small boats with um, that will take about four or five people, and you can actually hire one of them and and try it out. She wants. Uh, oh, you see, that's a good point. You should try something first, Sarah, rather than. Digging into the bank account. I mean, I don't want to be bursting your bubble, but you know what Eddie is saying. Yeah, and then the other thing is, the other thing is, besides hiring a boat, you can take you could take a day's lesson in power boats. Like one of the biggest part of what we do is teaching people how to drive power boats. So I would advise knowing what to do before you would even think of buying a boat, because when you're trying to think of buying a boat, you've loads of questions. And if you're with an instructor, they'll answer all those questions yeah. for you. Will you do? So will you do that for me, Eddie? Will you meet Sarah? Yeah, sure, we can do. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fantastic. Because I get the impression she's looking for something reasonably small, like a small day fisher with a little cuddy cabin on it. You know, right? Yeah, nothing. Sarah, what was it? Little cruise boat. You know, not. I don't want a very big one, but just. To be able to get out and enjoy the sea and yeah, but I want you to be. I see. I want you to be safe. You know, as the fellow says, driving a boat is nowhere near like driving a car. You actually drive it in the op. It's all opposite. I understand, which is why I would, of course, take every course that would be necessary for me to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you agree yeah, with me there, Ed? It's different. Yeah, we we could do that and. Uh, well, wait till the weather gets a bit warmer first. Um, yes. You know, it's 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 a bit cool at the moment, although it, this is very good for this time of the year. But, um, yeah, certainly we could do that and we could get her out for a tryout at some stage, Neil, you know? Absolutely. So that's another job done, Sarah. You're getting the, the training and you're meeting the people that need to help you to be proficient in what you want to do, whether it's on the bike or whether it's on the water. You know, because they both come with their same challenges. And Eddie English at Sail Cork gives these courses that I would advise yeah. you to take. Do you agree? That's the best yeah. place to start. Yes. You might go for uh, like you might go. You might decide to go for a small rib. You know. I might. Yeah, a, a rib is a rubber boat with a with a hard hull in it. You you you'd learn yes. about all the different types of boats as well. Where are you based, Sarah? I'm bit, I'm not far from Middleton. All right, yeah, yeah. Well, we're based in East Ferry, um, which is just across the water from East Ferry, just outside yes, Cove. We're, on the, is, we're yeah. on the island. Okay, Cove, fair know? play. So here's what so I'm going to do. Yeah. Good man, Eddie. Appreciate it. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna, we're also going to give you Eddie's number a little later on, Sarah. You can make the calls and um, get stuck into all of the different things you need to do. Yeah? Yes, absolutely. I'm so excited. I'm just so excited at the opportunities that are going to open up for me here. And I think really? one of the first things that Eddie will do will be to take you out on the water when the weather's permitting. A bit like the lads will do on the motorbikes, all right? Yes, okay. absolutely. Okay. Neil, okay. Neil, don't go away a minute now, because <laughs> we could report back to you on this, right? Yeah. 
But there's something else. I was listening to you earlier on this morning about the holidays opening up, you know? Yeah, great news. And um, I found... I had never... I've been to loads of places in Spain and we've brought people on holidays to loads the Canaries and the south coast of Spain and the northwest coast of Spain. But a lot of people turn up their noses at some of the better-known resorts. And earlier last year in September... One of the places, we've been going to Mallorca for a number of years, and we went into Santa Panza, and what a lovely, lovely place. I just wanted to say that it had, it, it had been given a bad name, but we went in there, and a beautiful anchorage. We went ashore in a small, a small rib and uh, had a couple of drinks and had a meal at anchor there. Did you sail so, down, yeah? No, we we what we do is we go to a number of places around the world, including I should be I should be in the Caribbean at the moment. <laughs> Pity about you. Pity about yeah. you. Well, I tell you a funny thing. Our our man in in uh, in Grenada, a fella called Clem, a local guy. He's become a great friend of ours. He sent me a message yesterday with a picture of a yacht with an Irish flag in it. <laughs> so and somebody said, went. I, pu- I pulled up to this guy, and he said that you taught him how to. Kayak 30 years ago. <laughs> Small world, isn't it? No, oh, Santa Ponza, there's two sides to Santa Ponza, I'm told, isn't there? It can be quite sedate and laid back, and then it can be party central at the same time, I'm told. Yeah, well, we were late season. We were September is when we go to Spain and when we go to Croatia. In the shoulder seasons, when the weather is good and um, there's nothing untoward about it and there's less crowds. Well, you've all that to look forward to. You've all that so to look I'm forward to. I'm looking forward very much. Our next trip now is Mallorca. We take, I think, about eight people to Mallorca and um, we circumnavigate the island if possible. Well, you never know. Sarah might be joining you on one of those trips. Anything's possible <laughs> in this woman's life, I can tell you. Good man, Neil. Good man. And all I'm right, only too happy to cooperate. Fair play. Okay. That's Here's as much. Sarah. Thanks, Eddie English. Take care for now. Sarah, that's as much as I can do for now, but I'll be keeping a very close eye on your progress. Okay. Thank you so much. Not at all. Buenos dias y gracias por hablar conmigo hoy. You're not sitting at the piano there, are you? No. Is it anywhere near? No. Uh, no. Ah, you're a chancer. I bet it is. It's in no. the next room. Absolutely no. I'm actually not. I'm down with my friend's house currently. Oh, well, the next time... <laughs> Next time I'm chatting. Next time I teach while play a little on the piano. All right, have a great weekend. We'll talk again soon, Sarah. Cheers for now. (laughs) Same same to you. Adios. (laughs) Adios. Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818104106. You know what? Sarah's an inspiration to us all. I don't mean to sound patronizing. I mean, in fairness, she is only 62. Uh, Give me a break. But uh, it just goes to show that it's never, ever too late. Talking about people's age, uh, Meatloaf uh, died overnight at the age of 74. And I've been asking you guys to pick your own Meatloaf songs. We played two out of three ain't bad earlier on this morning. You know, Cork was very good to Meatloaf over the years, you know, with his gigs. We mentioned Connor Castle, City Hall in 85, Mill Street, Neptune in 1990. Uh, Live at the Marquee and places like that. Um, But Mark put together um, a montage of his music earlier this morning. If you came late to the programme, I'm going to play it again for you. And after it, it's only about 90 seconds long, and after it, the second most chosen song by you guys this morning will follow it. Uh, Meatloaf um, passed away overnight with family at the age of 74. And I would do anything for love
Johnny tonight There's a man in the shadows with a gun in his eye And a blade shining no so bright There's evil in the hand, there's thunder in the sky And a killer's on the bloodshot streets Born down in the tunnel with a deadly horizon Oh, I swear I saw a young boy down in the cover He was stopping the foam in the heat
Out of hell. For some reason, dropping these lyrics into songs like that that made no sense at all, but just sounded so great. Like a sinner before the gates of heaven, I'll come crawling right back to you. What does that even mean? It's a bit like somebody else texting here saying um, one or two regarding that. Got to finish the show, Neil, with Bad Out of Hell. Like the lyrics in it, he's hit the highway and is gone, gone, gone. You know, you're talking about sinners outside the gates of heaven or before the gates of heaven. I've had a bit of a miraculous conversion myself because for years and years, I have to admit to being allergic to meatloaf. I don't know why, because uh, I'm not allergic to him anymore. Maybe it's just hearing the songs loud this morning, but uh, he passed away. Overnight at the age of 74. That was the second song, second most popular song that you guys texted this morning. Yes, the Eurovision was held in the wonderful arena in Mill Street. What an exciting time for everyone and such work that all the local committees put into it. What a great time and we were lucky to be on Mill Street at the time. So that was for Eurovision and lots of other big gigs as well. They all played there. Um, anyway, so somebody said, you got to finish the show with Bat Out of Hell. I did that. You should also think about Dead Ringer for Love. I love that song. Thank you. A lot of people wanted three out of two out of three and bad, so I played that. Many people are asking for different songs. I won't have time. I'm quite sure the lads will play another couple and no doubt you'll be hitting the Spotify yourself a little later on today. Um, meanwhile, just a third and final shout out for Free Food Friday and then we'll pick a winner in about five or six minutes time. But big shout outs to Sandra and everybody working in the House of Hair in Kinsale. She's down there with Arlene. Hennessy Hair and Beauty Supplies in Sarsfield Road in Wilton. Looking after all the hairdressers and beauticians are listening all the time. So is all the staff at Trigon Hotels working hard. Morning to Megan and all of the gang. To everybody at Republic of Work including Caroline, Margot, Quiva. Uh, looking forward to everyone coming back full time that the restrictions will be lifted. Yes, so say all of us. Clonakilty Community Hospital listening this morning. Everybody at PMC commercials in Ballinhasic, Aldi Distribution Centre in Mitchellstown, Sugar Dolls in the Wilton Shopping Centre. Uh, just like some pizza, just one would do. It would make my wife's day. She's minding Philip. I'm working from home since the pandemic started. It's Alex in Monastery Hill. I imagine that's down Rochestown way. Irish Oxygen and Waterfall Road, Kilsarin Quarry and Ovens, Sunbeam Bingo in Ballyvalan, Donamore Family Resource Centre are listening. Everybody at the Children's Ward in the South Infirmary Hospital, uh, Argos in Blackpool, Direct Motors .ie on the Tremor Road Miss Designer Golf in Blackpool Morning to Monica and just the final few for this week St. Coleman's House in McCroom Bloomont Plumbing in Carrigaline Focus Ireland Cork Simon and the HSE they're all teamed up together in collaboration uh, Joe Crowley Oils in Inishannon Solo Hair Design in Glanmire are listening and also Mackie Sushi Rolls in the English Market for everybody working there and AMS in Little Island always texting and always listening. There are the shout-outs. We'll make our free Food Friday draw about five or six minutes' time. You're listening to the number one talk show in Cork, the Neil Prendeville Show. It's the best in Cork. On Red FM. A lot of responses yesterday about children and breathing apparatus that you might use when you have the child, you know, newborn baby at home and uh, you're afraid they'll stop breathing. And then many people talking about stress and anxiety associated with, uh, with childbirth or the worry of having a child. It'll be Monday before I come back to a lot of that and lots more besides, because otherwise I'm going to run out of time. There's an interesting text here, actually. Simple solution with regards to the €1,000 bonus. You'll always have 
disagreement. When you give to one and don't give to other, it can be in the family home, it can be par- birthday parties, invites to weddings, and this as well, the pandemic bonus. Somebody says, simple solution is that the €1,000 that the nurses are getting, give everyone else one week's wages tax-free, says Ian. Uh, Phil believes none of that should apply. It should just be uh, probably nurses and no one else. Is that right, Phil? Yes, that's right, Neil. But, uh, what, about, you know, but what about home help workers, for instance? They're, I'm told they're not getting the thousand, but they did incredible work. Yes, of course they do. But how many people are they dealing with per day? I don't know, is it about... It's the commitment, really, I suppose, you know? It's like dealing with with the elderly, the immunocompromised, gowning up, being there to help. They could be the only person that the elderly person might have seen in the last two... You know, it's... Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yes, in theory, you're you're right, Dee. But anybody that walks into a hospital or that works in a hospital, they're dealing with COVID from the second they walk into that hospital until the time they finish their shift. Now, they're dealing with the real problem with the pandemic. They're dealing with, they're giving bloods, are giving injections, they're taking bloods, they're changing their bedclothes, yeah. you know, because yeah. these people might have dairy. Yeah. Oh, I, I understand all of that, but, but what, I know, and nobody's saying that they shouldn't. I understand what you're saying. It's the, it's the inclusion of others that should also be paid it is the thing, like People who worked in supermarkets on checkouts put up with an awful lot of grief and anxiety were there handling everybody's produce and things. You know, why not them? Because they're still not dealing with the, the, the real issue. You know, they don't have to change somebody's bed. They don't have to clean up when they get sick. You know, they don't have to put tubes into them. These, particularly the nurses, are there. I mean, they have a 12-hour shift. And for that 12 hours, they are constant, constant dealing with these people. Yeah. And nobody else has to do that. Yeah. What about taxi drivers or, who took people to and from COVID test centres? What about, you know, taxi drivers who brought people for vaccinations, who brought nurses and doctors to work? Yes, they're wearing masks mm-hmm. and they have a screen between the front of the cab and the back. They have some protection. These okay. people that work in hospitals, the caterers and the cleaners, I don't care what they are. They are the most they're the most high risk people that have to work during this pandemic. And on that basis should be them and them alone. I'm gonna move on, Phil. I can come back to this on, on Monday if needs be, but I just want to squeeze in one more fast call, and that is relating to the passing of Meatloaf overnight. I told you about all of the different gigs that he played, and the one that I was at was in nineteen ninety in the Neptune, and I was saying that that was to be played in a smaller venue because of uh, you know he, I mean he wasn't in a great place in his career. But Corconians wanted to see him, so they moved it to a bigger venue. Remember I was talking about that earlier on? Well, it was Sean O'Sullivan, the promoter, back then, uh, brought Meatloaf to Cork and put in the gig, and he remembers it fondly. Joins me by phone. Sean, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Good. Very so, sad to, to have the passing of Meatloaf. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you, re, do you recall the gig and booking the gig and putting it all together? I, I think well, originally I it was West well. Cork, was it? Pardon? Was it originally in West Cork and got moved up, was, was it? West Cork down in at the times down the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon. Yeah. But my, I, I worked with Tommy Swarbrick on, on the show and we decided to book the Neptune Stadium 
and we couldn't stop selling tickets. The tickets were going for between 34 and probably 36 euro at the time. We couldn't get enough tickets um, uh, to, to, to fill the masses, really, for the people that wanted to attend. You were we surprised. You were surprised by that, were you? Totally surprised. Totally surprised. Because I suppose at that particular time he had a huge album, uh, "Bad Out of Hell." Yeah. Uh, and I think that was probably one of his um, greatest uh, albums and hits. And you know, it just was. You know, there was a lot of press about it, but I think it's just the fact that people just wanted to see him. Yeah. So we said we'd bring it to Cork uh, and bring it to the Neptune Stadium. I was, I was at that gig. Did you try and put on a second or anything because of the demand? Well, well, I mean, there was, there was at least between four and 5,000, but his itinerary at the time, Neil, we would have loved to put a second show the following night, yeah. but it wasn't, what, it wasn't possible. What kind of a but guy it, was it, he, Sean? You obviously met him then. I did, I did, yes. He was a very ordinary guy, Neil, really. He was a guy, you know, that uh, was a great talent. And um, he, you know, he was, you know, very, very easy to deal with um, from, a, from a monetary perspective as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he started signing autographs and et cetera and selling, selling his albums at, at the show as well. And, you know, it, it was great for Cork and it was great for Neptune Stadium. And I suppose you know? he had thought that the best of his career was over at that stage, but he bounced back massive then again in the decades that well, followed. Well, he did, because I think Pat Egan had brought him earlier in the time uh, to, a, to but at that time, I think he went to Daily Mount Park. But some years on, when his show, or when his, I suppose, career was waning to a certain degree, yeah. Cork was a great ally to, to him and yeah. uh, was very successful and brought him back into the, uh, into the limelight. That's really. right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He sold 100 million albums and that album you refer to, Bad Out of Hell, remains one of the top 10 selling albums of all time. That's an incredible that's achievement. That's correct. That's yeah. fantastic. And I, I think his songs uh, will go on and on now and unfortunately he passed away but from a pers- that perspective you will see, I, I'd say, a huge... Yeah. Um, Surge towards um, albums and CDs from from Meatloaf because of a sudden death. Big interest in him again. That wasn't today or yesterday. That's like forty years ago, man. Time forty flies. years ago, Mister Mister Pendival. Over forty <laughs> years ago, yeah. Hard to believe. Hard to believe, Sean. We're, we're, we're still hanging in. And we're still we're rocking still and rolling. In. Well, listen. Good to we're catch up. Thanks for the memories, pal. Look after yourself. Okay, Neil. Thank you, sir. That's the man who did it. Sean O'Sullivan brought uh, Meatloaf to the Neptune and they could have sold out two nights, three nights and many more besides. He passed away overnight. Now, Free Food Friday winner for today, 15 pizzas. Well, hang on a second. It'll feed 15 of you with pizzas and sides and desserts and all sorts of things that go with it. Uh, morning all at Red FM. It's Friday again, so a big shout out to Blarney Windows Boys. Working hard in the cold mornings. We'd love uh, some pizza, please. They're all growing young men. Have a great weekend and stay safe. Okay, so we're, that's the winner for this week. Blarney Windows Boys. Um, and enjoy the pizza. It'll warm you up. Because, I mean, okay, you're fitting windows indoor, but at some stage you've got to be outdoors for the window as well. So that's it, lads. That's Free Food Friday for this week. We'll do it all again next weekend. Bring on the rest of today. Um, it's not as if we have to ask permission or anything like that. We're getting what we're due, and it's about time too. So uh, later on today, we'll have an exact idea as to what restrictions will be lifted. A fair idea about those, but more importantly, when. Have a good weekend. I'll see you Monday. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.